This is Vince Russo, and I swear to God, you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast, episode number 36, and the end is here. It's WrestleMania 17, or near three-year journey has come to an end, as we are now reviewing the last pay-per-view of the Attitude Era. It is canon. Hello everyone once again, I'm Kevin Mann, and it may be that the Gulf will wash us down, and I'm joined as I am always in the review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues, first of all, Adam Bibolo. Hello. Adam, when a young Kevin Mann, well, it's not young, when a, a slightly middle-aged Kevin Mann came to you with the idea to do an Attitude Era podcast, would you think you'd be sitting here 36 regular episodes and 8 million bonus episodes later in Kevin's girlfriend's dead grandmother's room where she, where she actually passed? Um, did you think you'd be here reviewing WrestleMania 17? Not in that specific criteria, no, not really. Not, nothing not, quite that bleak. No, not a dreamer, not a dreamer. Didn't coming. Well, you excited to finally talk about Kevin, WrestleMania 17? I've waited so long for this one show. I'll be honest, when I became friends with this one over here, it's it, one of the reasons was because I knew he liked WrestleMania 17 so much, and I knew that no one who liked WrestleMania 17 so much could could be a bad person, you know? <laughs> so that like that's how important this pay-per-view is. And to my right, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, and he's just finishing up the Attitude Era for the first and maybe last time, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello there. Billy, it's been a wild ride. It has indeed. The Attitude Era, how's it been for you? Overall, I have very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll, I'll have what she's having. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to close a, uh, close a page on this chapter of our lives. I know, it's so weird. It's, it's finally here after all this time. And when we started this, we didn't think anyone would care if we got to the end of the Attitude Era. But here it is. And here come the tweets telling us that WrestleMania 17 isn't the end of the Attitude Era. <laughs> it's WrestleMania 17. Legacy. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Look at this! It's I don't believe it! Moments that resound through the ages. An event that captivates the heart of an entire world. This is a night that carries us back to the enchanting world of our youth. A spectacle that rejuvenates our spirit. Welcome to WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals. Celebration 
of life. Glad gay community, we got a problem. <laughs> Fucking hell, this promo package. Oh, Freddy Blassie, you're gonna make me cry. Seriously. Man. Seriously. You've reviewed a lot of pay-per-views. <laughs> <laughs> but can you review the... Can I just say, first of all, how we watch this? Not saying there's a right or a wrong way to watch WrestleMania 17, okay? But if we watch my DVD version from the, the, the WrestleMania collection, that's the wrong way with all yeah. the blurring and whatnot. If you watch it on the network, I'll be honest as well, maybe not the right, it's a little bit too clean and squeaky. Yeah. Um, Adam, do you want to tell people how we watched WrestleMania 17? Oh yeah, I got the DVD like the week it came out. When I was, 2001. When I was an 11 year old kid, spent 30 quid to import it from America. And it's the wrong format, so it's black and white on the telly. I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> you change the settings and it's all good though. So this is the like, apart from the Snickers branding, which is missing, this is the original broadcast. Uh, and uh, who is your DVD signed by? Oh, Jim Ross. It's, it's like so, Jim so it's Ross, the full WWE package. Hall of Fame. <laughs> Casey forgot. Jim Ross brackets the one in the cowboy hats. Barbecue.com. <laughs> The opening package, which we mentioned a little bit of in No Way Out when we had the adverts for it, it's just full on nostalgia, this yeah. whole kind of... I mean, I'm not sure if it had that impact on you, Billy, but when I see this whole... this package, which seems for the first time in the Attitude Era, designed specifically not just to go, hey, we're a new generator, we're different. Yeah. Those, those old guys are weird. You get to see Andre, Warrior, shots of old WrestleMania, very much hitting on the nostalgia of it. Did yeah. it seem like how different to the other ones we've had? It seemed really, really big, but uh, the only issue is that this is the lengthened version of the advert we saw last pay-per-view, which I compared to a memorial package for dead soldiers. <laughs> And uh, it was that. Uh, there's a shot in it which I really, really enjoyed, which is like a couple hugging what looks like a burnt out car. Yes, oh, yeah. and they're so good at watching a pay-per-view. Yeah, <laughs> it just reminded me of the music video for Wake Me Up from, uh, When September Ends. <laughs> I just thought with these, these two kids who managed to seem to be living in a burnt out car watching a pay-per-view that it was some sort of Mad Max scenario. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Very, very strange indeed. I'll be honest, when I'm seeing this uh, this montage at the start, it's a little bit it's a little bit too happy and too opportunistic. Optimistic. optimistic for the wrestling world. I mean, you get to see the obligatory shot of, of a Japanese man marking out when Yokozuna... <laughs> as if anyone in the continent of Asia was watching WrestleMania fucking nine. <laughs> well, I just imagine you want to replay this package, but replay uh, Freddie Bassey's verbiage and saying, Imagine a world where people weren't ashamed about watching wrestling. <laughs> they'd watch it in open areas. They'd watch it with people on the streets. They'd even watch it as an old man on a porch. <laughs> Sadly though, the reality of this is that we are all staying up until 1am, yeah. hiding under a duvet, hoping to God no one knew about our terrible, <laughs> terrible secret. What it was really lackluster though, is like we had this great emotive package at the start of the paper, but when it comes to the actual this is WrestleMania mm. bit, the way you said I had the Snickers branding as well. Yeah. It's so lackluster. This is WrestleMania. I'm gonna disagree. He's like, and now the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. I, I like that they went with grand, granddaddy of them all, and they didn't go with the other tagline for this, though, which was a celebration of life. <laughs> Fucking hell! Really? <laughs> was that was that, really? was that the tagline for this paper? Yeah, celebration of life. <laughs> 
That's so weird. <laughs> well, it was Houston, we got a problem, but in the tagline it said a celebration. Of it simply <laughs> isn't. Last, last year was a McMahon in every corner. This is a celebration. <laughs> it's not a McMahon in every corner, therefore it's a celebration of life. <laughs> I can accept that. I can buy it. And who have we got joining us on the broadcast team? As if you don't need any more of a stamp, but this is the greatest motherfucking pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> and I will not be not talked down off my perch. Paul Heyman is on commentary. Oh, this is it. And for me, this is a very special night. That is a fan. That is Paulie Hankersley. That is the owner of ECW. Have I ever had the privilege of coming to a WrestleMania? This is my first WrestleMania ever. And I can't wait for the showcase of the Immortals. Oh my god, Heyman showed up randomly on an episode of Raw, which as we mentioned was news to everyone in WWE and certainly news to everyone in the now bankrupt ECW. Mm. Heyman is there in his baseball cap in some magical way, shape or form. When talking about WrestleMania, Paul Heyman manages to mention himself, his character Paulie Dangerously and the fact that he owned ECW. <laughs> None of which have anything to do. <laughs> Not at all. I gotta love it. But when he is actually talking about WrestleMania and what we're gonna see tonight, he is so fucking enthusiastic. Absolutely. Uh, Heyman brings something which you've not seen on commentary. He's He kind of ticks the boxes for them in that he's controversial, maybe like Jerry Lawler, but also maybe, you know, he's going to call the holes a little bit more, maybe try to get guys over a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely an interesting role for Heyman, who was coming in, obviously was on Vince's payroll when he was in ECW, but... Obviously bringing him in as a colour commentator when the obvious thing people would be screaming is, oh no, goodness, surely managing, managing. or writing or whatever. Yeah. But obviously the hole was there for Jerry Lawler and I think Heyman is... Oh. Perfect. Who else could they have got? Uh, Taz, really? I guess, was the number two oh, guy. No, you know? Not Taz or Cole. But you couldn't have Taz being like, you know, the, the main guy on, on WrestleMania. Yeah. But it's just amazing. I remember when it turned on, because I, I knew who Heyman was, but I never heard his voice, because he rarely appeared in ECW, and I didn't exactly have old WCW tapes. I remember on commentary, I knew King was gone. I was like, the fuck is this guy? I started Raw like an hour in. Yeah. I was like, is this Al Snow? Like, who, <laughs> like, who is this weird man? Like? I always thought that Heyman has always looked like... is a, This is another um, hardcore series of unfortunate events yes. reference. As this podcast is just like... In, in, the, in the fifth book where they go to uh, the, the Academy. The Academy. Yeah. The Austere Academy. He is exactly what I would think Vice Principal Nero looks like. <laughs> To the point where they describe a balding man with a tiny little ponytail. Oh. Give that man a violin and he is Vice Principal <laughs> Nero. Our opening contest on this fucking stacked three and a half hour card. Y2J, Chris Jericho, the Intercontinental Champion, defending against the Commissioner himself, Chili Willy Regal. Hello and welcome to the first official day of the Regal Regime. Good God, Regal, would you please? Have a little tall rug like you come out here and be speak. And now Regal has made this match. Jericho versus entire right to censor. This is nothing more than punishment. It's a match set up by Commissioner Regal. Handicap table match. Dudley's in white 2J. Here's the 3D. Oh. 3D. I think, especially after tonight, that your favorite letter is the letter P. At WrestleMania. Chris Jericho will be facing myself. You cannot besmirch soil the commissioner's team. Hey, wait a minute. They're, they're doing Jericho. They're doing the tire one more time for the one-up 
governorship on the commissioner. This Sunday, I will not only become the new intercontinental champion, but I will make Chris Jericho feel like he's been hacked up with a bloody hatchet. Our commissioner, William Rick. And folks, this one started over piss. <laughs> you think this is about piss? I've got a feeling that William Regal's new favourite letter will be the letter piss. <laughs> the story of this one, of course, the Regal regime recapped in, in this video package. Regal, you know, being very unfair, doesn't like that vagabond or that tow rag, as he calls him, Chris Jericho. I think we alluded to in the previous episode how Regal like, just gets the shit end of the stick from yeah. Vince. And I like that he takes it out on people like Jericho, you know, putting him in like handicapped tables mm. matches against the Dudleys or five on one against Right to Censor. And uh, Jericho here is uh, gets his own back on William Regal in an interesting manner, Adam. Yeah, he uh, sneaks into William Regal's office, makes sure no one's around, and he does a, does a little wee wee in uh, William Regal's teapot. And you get that amazing shot afterwards of Regal just sat there, like, drinking it with this look on his face. And you hear the promo going, you soiled Her Majesty's tea. <laughs> now, at one point, because, you know, being, a, being a, an Irishman over here in a, in, a, in a room full of Protestants, what point does tea stop being tea and becomes realm? I mean, because I know the Queen owns all the swans. Mm. So when is it become Her Majesty's tea? Or Once was it- somebody's pissed <laughs> <laughs> And you need something to be outraged about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. So I check on, on that one. This is a weird one. There's going to be a lot of random nostalgia moments in this, okay? And inexplicable nostalgia moments. But I always got uncomfortable watching this promo package as a kid because when Jericho zips up his leather pants, just because their leather pants are thick and heavy, mm. I always worry, like, imagine if you got your willy caught in there. Oh, that would, like, it would literally come off. On TV as On well. TV, it's like, so it's like, hey, I've, been, I've weed in your... People! You know Vince would run with it with a gimmick, though. The the, the, the Chris Jericho, who's got no cock. I think that's the gimmick. to come back out? That lad that had his, uh, his penis cut off. Yeah, the, the dude Val. who talked with Val. I was yeah. going to say, like, the, the, the look in the back of the pants, it's made by Yamaguchi-san Industries. <laughs> Hang on a second, you know? Jericho comes out in his very, very snazzy jacket. Um. I like that he's got an extra glittery one for, for WrestleMania. And William Regal comes out, a simple... Bed-shaped Englishman coming out, waving his hands, which makes this Texas crowd erupt into a fucking riot. The I, heat. I, I I can't remember if it's in in the package or if it's if it's right here and now. Regal's eye. Oh, in the uh, the package. Is this in the package? Eyes, yeah. Jesus Regal's, Christ! His red eyes. His red dead eyes. His Ryback eye. Yeah. Horrible. But yeah, the heat for Regal here is something to behold. Yeah. Is it unbelievable? Reckon because it's Texas and they really don't like. Us limeys. Us, you, you, don't call, don't use a fucking <laughs> collective term. I think it's because Regal's the authority figure on TV at the minute. I think he's just such a good heel. I don't think it's necessarily to do that it's Texas. I just think he's that hated and despicable at the I minute. I think, but the, you got to admit, though, like that the, the character that he plays does irk these people off. Probably. Yeah, to, to no end. An intense promo package, which we have, and it's full of all this insane music, and then like it cuts back to Regal and Ring, so it's like, I will see you at WrestleMania. <laughs> Immediately, Heyman is God on commentary, because Heyman just starts talking about, like, you know, Regal's a physical commissioner, he's going to put you in the Regal stretch, he's going to work on your arms, your neck, your shoulders, Jericho won't be able to do his signature moves, he has to use his speed and go for just mm. within... A second. So, so good. All commentary should always be like that. I, I'm going to say this, right? You know, you know, maybe if I watch more Heyman on commentary to really form this opinion. 
But I just do think him and JR is the best Definitely. team ever. Absolutely. Like, when you met JR, like, you, you said that to him. Yeah. Because he was only, like, a couple of months. And JR was like, oh, yeah, that was like, one of the best as well. Like, yeah. he was of the opinion. It was when I handed him that copy of WrestleMania we were talking about. And he just, um, I said to him, like, oh, yeah, you and Paul Heyman, unbelievable job on that show. And he just said the thing he always says, like, well, you know, the wrestlers, they write the music and we just... <laughs> We just provide the lyrics. <laughs> have, For fuck's have, sake. Have a great nap, son. What, what, what Adam elected not to admit, uh, include there is the fact that Jerry was sweating profusely. <laughs> <laughs> so a man calmly saying how he writes the lyrics and drips of sweat are coming we'll also say that it's actually uh, the, the, the signature on the DVD isn't actually written in pen, it's written in barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Good back and forth action between these men. Stiff shots and stiffer chops from Chris Jericho, mm. which changed the chest of William Regal a disgusting, despicable, vile, diabolical. <laughs> it's all bubbly and red and good there. And he's doing his brilliant regal faces where he's like snarling and looking really horrible like a monster. Ugh. Awesome counters as well from these two. Regal keeps like diving to Jericho and then just like rolling him up like an accordion yeah. with these cradles and whatnot. Lion Salt gets attempted by Chris Jericho, which is reversed. And then William Regal hits what can only be described as a gruntplex. Just grabs his arms and goes, Bleh! love it. Regal rams Y2J into an exposed turnbuckle. And then we get another huge throw from Regal as he does a top rope, double underhook suplex. Oh my god, seriously. <laughs> we actually get here, just, I'm not going to pick a specific grunt of the night because there's a few littered throughout the pay-per-view. Just the whole thing's great. Yeah. But in this one match, there's a specific sequence where the two of them are just stood up and grappling and doing transitions in the middle of the ring. Regal just cannot keep it in. At 9 minutes 18, we just get a whole sequence of... The injury. The, the wrist lock and does so. Oh, what a suplex that was. Oh, damn. Things having a really tricky shit. <laughs> Surprised he didn't make that noise when he drank the tea. Like, <laughs> yeah. Walls of Jericho, which gets reversed into the regal stretch. Amazing like combination of technical stuff, but also just like hard-hitting shots. Mm. And these two guys are over as hell. Jericho gets to the ropes and breaks the regal stretch. Regal goes for the regal cutter, but gets thrown right into that exposed turnbuckle. Line salt gets set up, and Jericho has a little bit of an awkward moment. Yeah. He has a little bit of an awkward moment where he decides he's going to move William Regal over it with a little suplex. And then hits the line salt again. One, two, three, and now we all realise where the line saw start a finisher because no one expects it to be the end of the match. No, no way. So amazing match, but a, a flat finish. Like, yeah, yeah it's lackluster. I think if he'd have gone straight from the bulldog into like a running line saw straight away, it would have had more flair to it. But the fact that he stopped, picked him up, and moved him and did it again, like it was mm, absolutely damn. weird. Jr. was even like surprised. Like, That's it. <laughs> okay but it's Wrestlemania <laughs> are you sure <laughs> uh, I really like that match Jericho defends uh, successfully I will say though given the absolute like barn burning stuff that's been going on with the IC belt it was a little sad to see at Wrestlemania that it's been the weaker match of the past mm. few months yeah you know it was kind of out of the last you know going back to Armageddon and maybe before out of all the ones maybe it was the, the weakest IC mm. match we had in, in a bit of time but that being said still two great workers mm. Backstage, a limo arrives with the very ominous and landscape-changing number plate of 
WCW won. No, it's not a character from the Beano that has bought WCW. It's <laughs> Shane McMahon who's bought WCW. Just the week before WWF had WrestleMania 17, which was on track at the time and was one of the most successful pay-per-views of all time, Old, malign, lingering, almost hanging on, but good to God, it's going to die anyway. WCW did die. And following a period of time where we thought that any number of people might buy it, including a very likely group of investors called Fusion Media. (laughs) Headed up by Eric Bischoff. I'm sorry, if you want to see something funny, find Eric Bischoff's Fusion Media press conference where he basically announces he's bought WCW before he's finalised the deal. Oh, Fusion Media like sounds like a real like PR. This is what we do, this is who we are, and I've not checked to see if Nitro has got TV. Oh, it's not. We're not going to buy it then. (laughs) WCW was put up for sale after the AOL Time Warner uh, merger. Not going to get into all of this now. I feel that that's a ripe ground for, for, for something else entirely. Yeah. Needless to say, the bottom line and how it impacts on the adage there is that the competition is gone. And that thing that was driving the, oh shit, we better make this as good as possible attitude we've had consistently from 1998-2001 is now nothing more than a storyline in the Vince McMahon-Shane McMahon feud, which we're having here tonight. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, Shane McMahon now owns WCW. And how they're playing at this moment is that Shane, who has made his big return to the company, more on that later, has got WCW and is, as a face, seemingly is going to launch it as a new brand. And he's promised to kick Vince's ass with it. What happens maybe doesn't follow that exactly per se. But I will say at this point, I don't know about you, Adam, but I was so excited when I heard that, like, WCW was part of WWE WWE storyline. The biggest deal ever. Like, you want to talk about... There was nothing in wrestling that could be more earth-shattering news than Vince buying WCW. And it's now time to play Kevin's Price is Right with my contestants here tonight, Adam Coffee Bibolo and Billy Bull Buchanan Keeble. And guys, I want you to guess for me the lowest accurate dollar amount that WWF and Vince McMahon paid for WCW. Hmm, now let's see here. Uh, buzz in as soon as you got this, your... Is this talking contracts as well? As or in just, just everything. The whole everything they everything. got. Lock stock. Here are the keys to WCW. No TV in mind and a yeah, lot of contracts yeah. they couldn't get because of, of Time Warner. Two uh, million? Two million? Billy? Ooh, I'm going to go less than that. I'm going to say 1.4 mil. You're both incredibly accurate. It was the rumoured amount, even though never 100% revealed was that it was around one or two million. Yeah. Uh, the maximum I've heard of a rumour is ten million. Ah, come on. No now. way. Je- That's Je- no way. It's very funny that uh, Bischoff said that without TV, WCW was worth 50 bucks. <laughs> and people claim that Vince bought it so he could say that he bought it. That was number one priority. And then after that came the, the developmental talent he got. The, you know, he got the rings, yeah. the, the rights to, to all the WCW the media stuff. Library, and the media library as well, which again goes on to be a big thing for them. ABA backstage in their office. Bradshaw cuts a big, impassionate promo all about Texas. Taz is out there doing this thug thing. Hey, we got this. This is WrestleMania. Yeah. Hey, look, just calm down, man. Don't worry about it. Look, hey, I'll tell you what. Drink a beer. Look at your jacket. Relax, baby. Relax my ass. You know what place 
wearing this Astrodome. This is where I used to call my daddy and watch Bob Phillips not wearing his cowboy hat because his mama said don't wear a hat indoors. Calling the plays for King the Snake Stabler to hand off to Tyler Rose, Earl Campbell, while 70,000 people chanted, love you blue. This is the same place, a big corn-fed boy from Alvin, Texas, 45 miles from here named Nolan Ryan, he used to throw 100 mile an hour fastballs. The same place, Tough Heatham used to hang on the bulls like he was velcro The same place that badass animal bodacious used to destroy cowboys' egos. You don't understand, it's WrestleMania. Hearts gonna be broke, legends are gonna be made, eagles will be shattered, and asses are gonna be kicked. We got a match, come on! we're gonna put it like that, then let's go. It is the same arena where Big John Texas won the Texas Bowl against the Texas Alamos and Big Stan Texas won the Texas title from the free Texas birds. <laughs> he loves Texas. Kerry well Von Texas, Fritz Von Texas, Stone Cold Texas, Texas. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of this promo. I'll be so honest. am I, even though it's corny as hell. But you yeah. know, legends are made, careers are tested. It's goddamn WrestleMania. Let's go. <laughs> kind of wish that we could go forwards in time and get current day JBL commentators. Like, look at that passion there. Look at that Do passion that. there. Do that. Imagine we cut backstage before the match was this fat man in a white cowboy hat. Two old bulls gunslinging at the top of their game, calling shots, Maggle. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> but he's all jazzed up. Because coming up next, we've got a, a match, a match made in heaven, I would say. The right to censor taking on all the people they want to censor in one fell swoop. It's the Acolyte Protection Agency and Chaz. Yeah. Heyman hates the right to censor. And I remember like loving this so much as a kid. Because like Jerry hated right to censor because he was a pervert. But Heyman hated right to censor because Heyman hated censorship. Yeah. And Heyman, like, JR's calls them extremists when they're coming out. Nuclear heat for RTC. JR's like, oh, these extremists. And, J and Heyman's like, don't misuse the word extreme. Like, they're not extremists. They're hypocrites. And I hate <laughs> them. Like. And uh, right to censor. You know, this is kind of almost the beginning of the end for their for their angle, essentially. But Stevie comes out, picks up a microphone, and as if, like, some sort of, like, you know, premonition or whatever, he's like, the right to censor! And he gets cut off. Taz's music. <laughs> immediately. Now, it's WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, you always want to look your best, maybe get the best outfit you can for yeah. WrestleMania. It's your one match of the year. You want to look great. Bob Buchanan, I coming out, he, he's let his hair grow out a little bit, and it's got all tufty at the top. His tie's barely fucking hanging on around his massive <laughs> shoulders. Fucking Donkey Kong country. <laughs> I was honest to God, Donkey Kong. <laughs> I was gonna say like he looks like the bass player for a sh really shitty new metal band, <laughs> the little soul patch. Yeah. I was gonna say right, if if Bobby Cannon is Donkey Kong, does that make Ivory Diddy Dixie Kong and Stevie's Diddy Kong? Like? I'm just I'm just guessing here, you know. Give us back our bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing bananas is morally wrong. <laughs> Scantily clad Kremlins. <laughs> oh my god. Taz hates right to censor because he was on commentary on SmackDown at the time. Heyman would do Raw, Taz started doing SmackDown. So Jerry Leaving actually really got a chance to build up Taz's yeah, commentary career. Develop. The whole gimmick here though is that Taz was being censored by RTC and they didn't like what he was saying on commentary. So even though Taz, you know, the last... His run has been depressing, you know? It's mm. been really depressing. And this is Taz's last WrestleMania appearance. 
But as a, as a competitor, it was nice to see Taz come out. Yeah, I wasn't expecting like obviously I did know that obviously he was on WrestleMania, but you wouldn't expect Taz to have one last match out of the blue just for WrestleMania's sake. And it's nice that he did. It is, yeah. Great action to start this one. It's a glorified squash match, you could mm. say. Jackie DDT Stevie right at the start, and big hoss-like action as everyone except for Taz is a legitimate monster in this thing. Yeah. Taz looks so tiny he compared does. to everyone. Yeah. Taz gets thrown around by much, much larger men for what seems like forever. Is this symbolic? The backstage is like, yeah, throw him. Throw him harder. Make Heyman cry. (laughs) Ho train by the Godfather. And then he goes through it again and he manages to splat himself. Taz makes a hot tag to big old Brad. And oh. We all looked at each other and said, here we go. <laughs> you know what? It's lovely when you're watching the last pay-per-view the attitude area to turn kind of go, that's great. There's something that reminds me from like 1998. From the first pay-per-view we did. Yeah, which yeah. is Bradshaw being a fucking hoss and he clatters the bejesus out of everyone. I'm not going to lie to you. One of my favorite sells for a move ever happens here. When Bradshaw picks up Val Venus for the fallaway slam and Val Venus is just beaten on his back going, <laughs> Like, please don't do this move to me. Absolutely amazing. Brad does a top row backdrop to Val then yeah. as well. You've got five minutes, but they're fucking using them. Yes. Every absolutely. move is impact. You know, no kind of uh, take it easy. It's like, no, we've got five minutes. You take the top rope fucking backdrop. Godfather whips the whole train and then eats a clothesline from hell. APA and Taz win in convincing fashion. And the right to censor lose on pay-per-view at yes. last. Well, they, they often do lose lose at least once, and but it's just they always usually have had two matches. And usually they come out winning, so interesting to see. We'll talk more about the RTC with their second match coming up later with Ivory taking on China. I love this match, so I thought it was the definition of, you want to have a match, get a lot of guys on the card, have a bit of fun. People wanted to see the RTC get beat up. This was great. This yeah. was... WrestleMania 30, The Shield versus the New Age Outlaws and Kane. Kane. You know, it's like just a glorified squash, but it was still really good for it what was it was. It was a feel-good squash. Yeah, it's what you want on the pay-per-view. Like, oh, let's watch the bad guys get the, the shit knocked out of them for five minutes and yeah. then go on to the next thing. Brilliant. Backstage, Trish Stratus with a sedated Linda McMahon is introduced to Stephanie, who's got a jumpsuit. And the worst crimped hair. What is it with Stephanie and the crimped hair? Yeah. It looks so bad. I'll be honest, there's a friend of mine who, you know, personal hygiene is an issue, let's just say, and he crimped his hair once <laughs> for a, a, a Halloween costume, and it smelled like toasted cheese sandwiches. Oh. So every time I see a crimped hair, I just go, mm. <laughs> no, that smells like a... And I love toasties. I absolutely love them. Adam can attest. I, I, I would eat them all day if I could. I can't believe you told that story about me on the podcast. I'm <laughs> <laughs> It's not Billy. <laughs> Trish Stratus, as we mentioned at the end of the last uh, show, ended up being betrayed by Vince and covered in ooze. And there's only one daddy's little girl. You think I wanted to kiss you? Yeah. I wanted to kiss my daughter. Uh. Trish came out the week afterwards and it was all like, Michael, I've got something which I need to get off my chest. And Michael's kind of looking at her and going, well, she has breasts. Uh. Yeah. And that's where they're located. Trish comes out and she's like, Vince, you get out of here right this second. And Vince comes out and she just starts, gets on her hands and knees and starts begging for his forgiveness. Oh. Saying she'll do anything. And because uh, she's just a poor helpless woman and didn't know that, you know, that she got in the way. And you know, Stephanie, of course, is the dominant female. And of course, Vince McMahon 
All right, there's no way he didn't write this himself and just do this for his own oh, benefit. Wait, wait. Most definitely would have done. And I will say this, this is out of all the things we've done in the Attitude Era, and even though 98, 99 was when the real bad shit was, the real, real bad shit, I'd say, this is probably the most ghastly moment in the history of wrestling. So degrading. When you have Vince McMahon order Trish Stratus to take all of her clothes off in the ring. Now, not just kind of take them off and let's go. It's in, take your bra off, Trish. Now take off your panties, Trish. Real slow, disgusting, makes her walk around on the floor and bark like a dog. Yeah. This was edited off Sky One when we watched it as kids. Good. (laughs) It's so inappropriate. Because when I went to WrestleMania 17, there's no no mention of this uh, package. There was no recaps of it on SmackDown. All I remember was that one week Trish was, was... hated by Vince the next week she was there on Smackdown and she was just working for him and the, the announcer's like I can't believe she's doing that after yeah. what he did so that's how I mean you know Sky Sports I mean they weren't like Channel 4 they didn't edit much they you had just, a line put in perspective folks they edited out Vince McMahon in the Trish segment and they edited out the stuff that alluded to the 7-7 bombings mm. so those are the two big edits that WWF have done in their day so this is show you how gross this was yeah. And I don't need to tell you why it's gross. It is just disgusting to see old man Vince McMahon with young Trish Stratus tell her to take all her, all her clothes off and bark like a dog. Eh. No thanks. During Linda's campaign, this video was thrown around loads. Really? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know what? They fucking deserve it. They need to live with this. They did this. It's Vince's decision. Like you said, this is definitely his idea, undoubtedly. So... Deal with it. And this is like Vince thinking he could do anything. Yeah, get away with what I want. And his rationale for doing this, and he's, he's always said, like, oh, this was bad or whatever, but this is just part of a story, and the Mr. McMahon character gets his comeuppance in the end. And I will say, he gets some of the most hysteric comeuppance ever, but it doesn't make up for it. No, it no, doesn't, no doesn't change the fact. There's no justification for doing this. Oh, I'll pay for it later, so it's okay. It's the yeah, Game, of, th- it's the game of Thrones defence. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, If it was done to him... Like at the end of at the end of Street Fight, he is stripped of his clothes <laughs> and falls yes. beyond all fours, barking like a dog. Then you could draw a line and yeah. say, "Yes, yeah. Vince got his comeuppance." Yeah, but no, he doesn't really get that, does he? Coming up next, Hardcore Championship is on the line, and what a tangled web we weave. Three people who Universe Mode made this match. I think. <laughs> yeah. It's my sweet Raven Crater wrestler taking on Big Show, taking on Kane in a triple threat match. Kane's too good for this. Yeah, yeah, I'd argue that, but at the same time, I think putting Kane in here gives a nice bit of elevation to the hardcore mm. title again. If this was Raven versus Big Show, it would have stunk out loud. Yeah. Kane is, re- I mean, with the Brothers of Destruction gimmick at the moment, he's been linked with Taker loads, high profile stuff with Triple H, Stephanie. He brings star power to this match that would otherwise have been lacking. The star power that they would have you believe the Big Show had. And I would say, be honest, Raven makes one appearance at WrestleMania and he's in the ring with Kane and Big Show, who are two of the most, like, say what you will about them, but longevity, iconic, that's what they are. Mm -hmm. And Raven really fucking does well for himself because he's so, I was so disappointed when he finally debuted, like, oh, it's Raven. We didn't talk about him for like four or five episodes. They didn't give a shit about him. But here, just by kind of by default... As we mentioned, a lot of guys didn't get on the card tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, your Crash Hollies, your Hardcore Holly, a lot, like, you know, dozens of guys left off. And Raven, 
you know, gets in here. Uh, Paul Heyman with the strategy advice for Raven, which is run like hell. <laughs> Raven's got all his gimmicks, including, which we mentioned last episode, he brings out with him. He cut a switch for this one. Mm. He's going to lay down some old-timey, old-school discipline on uh, Kane and uh, Big Show. Uh, I don't know if it's because we watched the right sense of match and I had Donkey Kong on the brain or whatever, but yeah. I finally, for the first time in my life, realised Raven's entrance music. You know, the uh, the vultures in Donkey Kong? When you <laughs> That's just Raven's music, they just sampled that. <laughs> and then you hear the little one. <laughs> Kane and Raven start things off without the big show, and then the big show just comes out, you know, very slow thing. Yeah. Well, well, it the big show. Wait for me, guys. What, what I will say is, Big Show's actually looking in better shape than he has been past two or three months I think he's, yeah. looking, he's looking like he's still not there but he's he's looking better at least I thought you want to talk about a guy that fluctuates so frequently on a month to month basis you literally don't know if he's going to turn up looking better or worse than he did last month he can't it's, keep a constant I mean I just think if you're going to have the investment of time of taking someone off the road because of attitude and, and body and what, image and whatnot, and he comes back and he doesn't look any better yeah then I think there's been a, a massive issue there. A waste of time. And you know, being a nutritionist. I, I, I don't know what it, I mean. Uh, there's been stories that like he was just like you know he wouldn't listen to people. He just do what he wants to do, kind of. Because mm. you know he's got the big giant metabolism. Um, he he, he is not in his best shape here. Mm. I mean, if Big Show's Big Show's not wearing a shirt and he won't wear a shirt for for many years now, that should give you some yeah. indication. Considering when he debuted, how he looked, you yeah. know. Final cut attempt immediately by the big show as he yeah. comes out. And like as he's in the crowd going, Oh the final cut. Oh, my god, he'll break his goddamn neck. <laughs> you stop this and sick of my god. Very scary moment. Uh, the guys brawl through the crowd, the camera gets jostled lots. I like the idea of them brawling through seventy thousand fans. It's yeah. really, really cool. It does make the crowd brawl seem a lot more cool than usual because it's all lit up as well. They brawl in a corridor. Kane goes through a wall as he gets thrown into it by Big Show, and Raven attempts to flee, as is his strategy in this match. Big Show chases after Raven, and then closes over a door, it's like, ha, 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 I'm going to lock you in my lair. Can't work a padlock. Nope. Kane just pushes it open. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's amazing how they find uh, managed to find the weapons room though in the uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in the stadium, the one the weapons armory. room. Yeah. I'm saying, Big Show, you do know how to work a padlock, don't you? I mean, you can't lock it. What the fuck? They brawl through this room that is just designed to have shit thrown around. It's basically they brawl through the set of finders keepers. Pretty much. What I saw here, you know, yeah. trying to find that prize. Kane gets a big old plank and like. Breaks it in half over Big Show's back and then just like tosses the scrap over his shoulder. The sound of so it. So badass. Big Show just falls over on a bin and like sits on it and makes it go <laughs> wonky. And of course, Raven as well, when he tries to choke people or is being choked, has his yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Raven goes through a fucking window. Oh, oh my god. And Raven actually knows later on was covered in blood, so I yeah. think he does get. Uh, yeah, I think Heyman mentions at one point like that was most definitely from the glass. I've heard, and uh, we mentioned this before, that the um, sugar glass is like not all sun and roses. No. Well, it was the exact same spot. It was Kane through Jericho through the same, like exactly the same window that he did with Raven. Yeah. So yeah, sugar glass just ain't very nice. It's not the safest thing in the world. Yeah. 
Kane goes through a fucking door. And then we have one of my favorite moments in wrestling history. Adam, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, this might be the grunt of the night, I'd say, actually. At 33 minutes and three seconds. Man, Why are you on the floor? Big Show comes into the room and he's looking over and he just goes, Oh, you wanna play with me? Huh? Goes for the choke slam. Oh, right here on the floor. <laughs> and then Kane smacks him right in the gob and he's like, <laughs> Now, thanks to Big Show in the year of 2001 and most of 2002, as a child, I was not able to do a choke slam without going, Right here on the floor. <laughs> and then pulling the big, <laughs> face when you get the hand put on you. Both men just like start bouncing off like pinballs and they just go through an entire wall. Yeah. Wouldn't you imagine how cool it would have been to have been like part of the team of interns that like built this like Labyrinth, built yeah. a special room for them to destroy, a special cake for them to ruin, like it's you know? brilliant. They go crashing through and they're like rolling around on the floor and then Raven just opens the door and walks into the room. <laughs> hey guys. Oh, hey guys, I've been Reno for six weeks. Oh, <laughs> and then Raven decides he's had enough and decides, you know what? I think I might try and hijack this fucking show. Greatest wrestling pay per view of all time. Not if I've got anything to say about it. <laughs> Raven gets in a golf cart and careens off the edge. What he didn't realize at the time, though, was that he sent his golf cart right onto the fucking camera line and the electricity line and the satellite feed of this entire pay per view. Whoa! He nearly single-handedly killed the greatest pay-per-view of all time. As a matter of fact, you know, what a great heat for it, Raven. <laughs> Post-attitude era, there's your number one here, like Rock and Austin wanted to get to Raven because they couldn't have their match on pay-per-view. <laughs> it was in Texas, you know how hard it was to book that building? Big Show gets hit in the bum with a bin. Back up to the ramp and Kane zips after them with a referee in the back. That's so funny. Iconic so shot. Such a love funny it. image. Fucking love it so, so much. Raven's covered in blood. He's completely destroyed. Kane starts teeing off on the Big Show on the ramp. Big Show picks up Raven. Looks like he's going to throw him off the edge. Kane comes in with a big boot. Both men fall in what can only be described as a giant Tupperware container full of talc. Is the worst fall. <laughs> Awful. The, like, it's, like a, it's, it's like that one where um, Mark Henry punches Batista and he wobbles for two seconds <laughs> and just throws himself back. <laughs> It's so bad. He just steps off the stage. Like, yeah. kick to the face. Stumbles. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, okay. And then just, like, step off. Nostalgia be damned. I could have sworn that they went through tables and boxes and packing <laughs> peanuts as a child, but they did not. Kane comes diving off with a guillotine leg drop and manages to win the Hardcore Championship. What a fucking weird match. Really entertaining. Man. Very entertaining. Brilliant. Absolutely loved it. One of the best it. hardcore matches. And I don't know, you were not so sure about Kane being in the match, but what do you think of him in the match and him winning the hardcore uh, match? I, I really enjoyed it. My only issue with um, this match is I, I, I really don't like the idea of at WrestleMania having a good 10 minutes backstage. Yeah, yeah. that's for us, not for, for the crowd, I guess. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just, I just... I just I just feel so gypped out, like, if I was there. Yeah. What I liked about the backstage was that it was so fucking gritty and real. Because you know the amount of times where they go backstage and it's like clearly a pre-tape and everything's perfect, yeah. and everything's laid out just perfectly so for them. And maybe it's because it's Big Show and Kane in there, but there's just something like, it's these three monsters... Yeah. Who wouldn't normally be here? Are just going like, through walls and yeah, because normally if like it's Bob Holly and Bossman, they would have like hit each other with plant pots and cans of coke. Just keep walking around. Here you've got Big Show and Kane throwing each other through doors and yeah. walls and glass. It just like 
I loved it. It was like uh, monsters destroying like, yeah. a city or something. That, like that. that proper not getting their deposit back. Yeah. <laughs> Vince McMahon, you should not have left your credit card at the Houston Astrodome front desk. <laughs> For a cane mark as well, to see him win the hardcore title. You know, because as a kid, the hardcore title was the coolest mm. thing yeah. ever. So good. And I actually genuinely believed as a child that because Kane won with that leg drop that he was going to have like the big red leg drop as his finisher or something like that. And the idea of this one, of course, ending here with the hardcore belt was that it was going to restore the idea of it being a belt that people mm-hmm. challenge for and don't just run in for. Sadly, they went back to their own tricks quickly shortly thereafter that and the hardcore belt was gone by 2002. But it was a nice moment to see it showcased here at WrestleMania in a proper match. Backstage, Creepy Kurt Angle watches footage of Chris Benoit making him tap out. Chris made him tap out outside of a match on SmackDown and Kurt has become obsessed. Kurt Angle, part of the I'm unhappy because I'm not in the main event gang here tonight. Mm. You know, as someone who was, you know, it happens quite often, you know, when someone is like the champion for a long time, loses the belt right before WrestleMania, then they're kind of left with just a placeholder feud. But Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, and Kurt Angle going crazy because he thinks Chris Benoit made him tap out. And Edge and Christian are like, hey, how are you going on, Kurt? There's no bell, and there's no referee. And I wasn't really there because my mind was somewhere else. I was, I was projecting my consciousness to somewhere <laughs> else, and I tapped out. That doesn't mean I tapped out, right? Hi, Kurt. Uh, yes, I don't know. You know. I, I thought it was a really cool feud that, that they've got going in here. And I like creepy, dangerous Kurt now. Delusional. Delusional Kurt. Like. If a wrestler taps in the woods and there's no referee around to see it, did he really tap? <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's WWF New York. And it's everyone's favourite suspect in an ongoing investigation. Jimmy Case Still Ongoing Snucker. I had Jimmy the murder fly snooker. For fuck's sake! <laughs> I just had big murder Jimmy snooker. <laughs> Everyone remembers when he jumped off the cage at Madison Square Garden with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's there in WF New York. I'd say good job then picking like a, 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 a kind of legend like Jimmy snooker as opposed to having Billy Gunn there making us all sad. Like, yeah, you know, that's true. He's gonna say, the one Billy Gunn is there on WF New York. God damn it! <laughs> The Rock arrives to booze. Yeah. And I will say this for the Grey's Anatomy fans out there, he was dressed what I imagine Preston Burke, cardiothoracic surgeon at Seattle Grace, would wear in his downtime. Very nice silky shirt and suit. Like, these guys don't get us. Uh, that's oh, why I'm stopping out there and starting a podcast about procedural medical dramas. And you're not invited. Is uh, The Rock being booed yes. because he isn't Austin? Yes. Like, that's the only reason. He's nothing, not done anything Nothing's wrong. happened no, to make no. them boo him. Our main event here tonight, of course, Rock and Austin, is very much even Stephen Booking in terms of both men have been very faced going into this. You've had Vince and, you know, uh, Kurt and Triple H have been kind of involved in a kind of chicanery, screwy type fashion, but it's still about these two guys, both are meant to be faces. But be that as it may, crowd a little bit more, I would say, uh, in favour of Steve Austin. Maybe don't like The Rock uh, much. Maybe it's because they're in Texas. Maybe it's because I'm a big superstar. But uh, be that as it may, <laughs> things were what they were. I mean, I did count the number of t-shirt sales that night. And be that as it may, Leon White always said, always let a better merch salesman prevail. <laughs> Coming up next, European Championship. And Amasa has a dark cloud. Are you, are you just going to skip right over the Australian fans in the audience? I was going to. <laughs> That's fine. No, no, no. Let's go over the Australian fans in the audience. And we may have found the fan that came the farthest. Linda Craftsman, how far did you come and from where? I spent 30 hours flying from Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. And this is my first WWF event ever. Oh. 
This is your very first WWE event. Did you ever think it was going to be like this when you got to Houston? No, I, this is better than what I expected. All right, you have one chance to send a message out to over 50 countries the world over. What would it be? WWF rules! WWF rules! Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! Aussie, oi! What the hell are you people shouting? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Just so you know, I'm wearing a little fedora at the moment. <laughs> Coming up next, now that we've gotten that incredibly important bit, <laughs> it's the match that is the dark cloud of the one I thought was a shit match when I was a child hanging over it. Eddie Guerrero taking on Test for the European Championship, a title belt which is not really featured in our last few episodes as it has really not been a focus. Really, really not kind of there at all, you know? Yeah. Eddie Guerrero coming out here with Perry Sarin's ass. He looks like the biggest fucking cunt. The second just, they oh came out, Billy just said aloud, Oh, Perry. Yeah. <laughs> just so Perry, Perry, go out there now. Perry, you have to go out, it's WrestleMania. Fine, you can wear the hat. <laughs> Perry, of course, has the advantage of this one because when he wears his hat, no one can see him. <laughs> he thinks he's invisible. <laughs> so he's just there creeping around outside. Going, Shh. <laughs> Do you think it rec- he reckons, like, if, 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 if I wear this big novelty hat, no one will notice my boss eyes? <laughs> like... I mean... You see something like this, you laugh, and then you remember the shoot interview where he says that he wasn't sober his entire fucking time here. Yeah. That includes hat fittings. <laughs> okay? So, is he going to distract Tess to death with this fucking hat? There's a Furby on your head! Get it off! Tess blasts Eddie to start this one. Big flapjack, and then a sit-down fucking powerbomb. Holy shit. What has happened to Tess? Oh my god, honestly. It must be all those roids he's taken or something, because he is on fucking fire. I'll tell you what's happened to Tess. Fucking Eddie Guerrero has happened to Tess. Yeah. Eddie in this match. Okay, as a kid, I wouldn't have obviously figured this together, but Eddie Guerrero is the smaller heel working against the big powerhouse face, which is a great dynamic, and Eddie just pulls it up here, which is Tess is bigger than him, he's stronger than him, and if he gets a chance, he will outmuscle him. Eddie does some real great offense though to kind of, he always like one step ahead of Tess, you know, kind of using some dirty tactics, mixing with some high flying offense. He does a Hurricane Rana, and because it's WrestleMania, before he does it, he's on the top rope and just goes, Tess gets hung up on the top rope as he goes for a diving kick, which leads to probably the moment that led me to think this is a much worse match yeah. than it is. Tess's ankle gets caught up in a hangman spot in the ropes and it's very, very awkward. Mm. As he tries to get out and he can't, help. Then the referee comes to help him out, help. Jesse Ventura is not there to help either. <laughs> and the sad moment when fucking Eddie Guerrero comes in to help. Freezes his opponent. Yeah, freezes his opponent. But, you know, crafty veteran Eddie Guerrero just goes right to work on the leg. Move past it, yeah. You know, he's like, his foot got caught up, they worked on the leg on the outside. Yeah. And Tess is smart enough to uh, to start selling it. So Tess is meant to have a sore leg for the rest of this match, which he remembers for parts and forgets for other parts. But we get two moves which made me jump out of my seat. And I've seen this pay-per-view a number of times Tess does the tilt to whirl side slam and follows it up with a spiral powerbomb. That powerbomb was breathtaking. Incredible. Un- 
the fucking lever ball. Saturn runs in as the referee is distracted and hits the three-handled, moss-covered family credenza. It's fucking video game interference just comes in the ring and just does a move right there and then and then walks back out again. It's brilliant. I love Heyman calling the, uh, the, the Dr. Zeus name of the move for wacky Perry Saturn. Pump handle slam, but Saturn once again distracts the referee and Test cannot pick up the victory. The big boot is called for, Saturn gets kicked in the face, Eddie Guerrero too, but Hawaiian Dean Malenko shows up from retirement and saves his buddy. He looks like fucking Barry from EastEnders. What is with <laughs> that outfit? I don't know. He's like, you know, Eddie wins the match now because the distraction from Dean, he hits the belt on Test. Eddie's holding the belts. And he's been celebrated with a man in a Hawaiian shirt and a man in that hat. Who then puts the hat on Eddie. And then Saturn is looking around going, I bet people are really freaked out. The belt is holding itself up now. (laughs) (laughs) But Eddie Guerrero, you know, the whole thing is he split, the radicals have split, you know, away from Chris. But the three that were there together, it's kind of, yeah, we don't need him. You do. You really do. Dean looks so fucking bushly. And Perry looks even more bushly. And you know what though, I will say, this match was way better than I remember it being. Tess looked awesome in this because I think of what Eddie was doing. I don't know what you guys thought. I really enjoyed it. I thought like from the time that Tess debuted and how we carried on, never been really impressed with him. Mm. But if you told me on the last episode of the Attitude Era podcast that I will be saying I was really impressed with Tess. Yeah. I wouldn't have believed myself. Tess was, all right, all his character flaws, all his story flaws, Tess was, first and foremost, a hoss. Yeah. And there's always room in wrestling for a hoss who can tell his left from his right and, you know, do moves crisply and cleanly, which Tess could do. Never reached the heights he could have. But uh, a nice showing from him here. Nice to see Eddie Guerrero getting to celebrate his win with the two wacky dads that he has in his care. Mickey C is backstage with Mick Foley, who's returned. He looks like a cross between Santa Claus and Bernard Black. He looks <laughs> so adorable. Fucking hell. He looks so happy. Yeah. He looks so healthy as well. Mm. Yeah, he looks like rested. You know, it's sad to see Foley had been gone, but he's back now. And you see, he came back for a few appearances after his firing in the end of de- December 2000. But uh, yeah, Foley's here. He's the referee for the Vincent Shane confrontation later on. He says, in the interest of fairness, he's going to call it right down the middle. And then he walks back quickly to get the cheap pop right here in Houston, Texas. Love it. <laughs> Love it, Mick. Austin arrives to eruptuous cheers backstage. He looks troubled. I love it. Austin looks so fucking intense here. All the foreshadowing. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. Coming up next, a match which, by you know, most people at the time were probably saying, oh, it's a placeholder, blah, blah, blah. Talk about two guys taking a placeholder feud and making it a show-stealing one. It is Kurt Angle taking on Chris Benoit. Fucking, I was so excited for this. Yeah. You know? Being, you know, I remember loving this match as a kid and whatnot, but, you know, the timeline of the podcast, feeling like Kurt, you know, having the belt taken off him. Quite badly timed. Mm. I mean, would it have been the end of the world if he lost the belt and maybe rumbled the month before? Honestly, it would have made so much more sense. Yeah, just so then kind of he's, like, doesn't have this thing as the guy who lost it right before yeah. WrestleMania and it was awful because like on the Raw before he had this thing he's like I've just got word from Vince McMahon that if either Austin or The Rock have their ankle broke or can't compete I'm in the main event of WrestleMania <laughs> just to specifically if they break their ankle yeah and he's like clutching at straws like mate you're fighting Chris Benoit in three days like just let it go focus on that match you're not in the main event oh. 
But I was worried that Kurt's not got the belt and he might lose some of his, his swagger. But now that he hasn't got the belt, he's gone back to what he does best, which is running down the crowd. Hero and a representative of all 50 states. It's no secret that I'm not a big fan of the state of Texas. And I saw your little flag, people, and it's missing about 49 other stars. And to be honest, I'm glad I'm having my match here tonight because tonight I can illustrate a point. Chris Benoit, even these 65,000 bull riding, beer bellied Texas yeehaws know that I have never and will never tap out to you. Oh, and by the way, people, lose the freaking cowboy hats. You're not seven years old anymore, please. He's talking to you, lose the freaking cowboy hat. I heard him, Paul. Please. Kurt gets nuclear heat. The cheapest of heat. What about the 49 other stars, Texas? Huh? Calls them all yeehaws and says, yeehaws! And he doesn't like their hats. It's so cheap and it's so brilliant. Lose the freaking cowboy hats. You're not seven years old anymore. <laughs> yeehaws. The only thing worse you could have called them is yahoos <laughs> or yo yos. <laughs> Chris Benoit coming in here. Looks like he's haunted. He looks so sad. We, we were watching this with uh, Joe from How To Wrestling and me and her both looked at each other at the same time and just said, he looks so sad. Benoit, for those who keep keeping score at home, you know, the guy with the look of forlorn loss in his eyes, he's the face. Yeah. <laughs> he's broken away from the Radicals. There's a really cool moment where he did, he took on the Radicals in a in a gauntlet match. It was really, really awesome. But like he's had him like breaking away, showing that he's just this amazing wrestler. Fans kind of cheered for him because Kurt was a nerd and he was getting to Kurt and getting mm -hmm. Kurt's head, you know? Straight shooting to start this one. They spent five minutes just going hell for letter, Matt Wrestling, who's better? So the, real. The angriest Matt Wrestling I have yeah. ever seen. Kurt I, looks fucking furious about it. Um, I'm just going to say, um, I'm good, the intensity that you see here between these two is like, you don't even see that in UFC sometimes. Yeah. Sorry, this is the sound of Joe Rogan dying, getting buried, and spinning in his grave. <laughs> but I will just say, just from the point of view of the fact that these guys are just flipping around so quickly, there seems to be both reckless abandon, but a smoothness to it as well. It looks incredible. I, I never thought I'd give a shit about, you know, uh, amateur wrestling. Mm -hmm. But this here, I like, kind of want, you hear all the legendary stories of Kurt Angle taking guys down. And like, you know, Vince wanting to wrestle him on a plane and him and Brock going after or like him taking down Big Show. Yeah. Very funny story around um, a month or two before this when Krangle was champion, Triple H very loudly in a booking meeting said something on the lines of, what makes it, you know, why does anyone think you could be champion? You're not believable, you know, your, your character isn't believable. And Jerry Briscoe lost the plot and he's like, can you wrestle him? Can you out-wrestle him? And Triple H's like, no. Well, then he gets to be champion. You know? I just look because wow. Jerry's an amateur wrestler as yeah. well. And like, the idea is like, yeah, Kurt is legit and he could be champion at any moment and I would buy it because of... His ability. That's awesome. I think it's really, really cool. Crossface keeps getting teased by Benoit. They keep doing all these like shoot grapples, and then Benoit tries to lock in the crossface, and Kurt like scrambles towards the ropes. Love it. Kurt resorts to punches. 
before yeah. Chris Benoit. He's the first one to break. And it's great. Like the, the idea that even though Benoit is the wrestler and Kurt Angle is the Olympic wrestler, Kurt is the one who is goes to the, the cheap tactic, so to speak. And it's great that Heyman actually does turn that into the story of the match. Like it's the kind of thing that you would notice if you're, you know, really paying attention. But Heyman makes it perfectly clear to everyone that oh, Angle's the one that's getting frustrated here now. And like just his commentary and his ability to interpret the rest of the No, no, no. But usually, you know, Jerry Lawler would look at a situation like this, and you know, through his commentary and his analysis, you would know that you get a sense, like an air, a feeling that soup was going to be on his diet. <laughs> you know, that's just how it happens. Lovely suplexes by Kurt. We get multiple belly to bellies. The physicality just starts getting amped up as this match goes on as they transition from grapples to throws top rope superplex by Chris Benoit who then hits his multiple Germans fucking amazing I love those multiple Germans beautiful stuff Ankle Lock starts to be teased by Kurt Angle but Benoit actually gets it in first and the story mm. of the match now that Benoit is just one step ahead of him every single turn even with his own holds but Angle then gets the cross face on Chris Benoit Ref bump happens, and as that is, the ref is down and out, Kurt Angle starts tapping like a little girl. <laughs> it, I think this feud is the start of the whole kind of, if you tap out, you should be ashamed. Yeah. Not intentional, but this maybe started that whole kind of, we can't book guys to tap because they'll look like jabronis. Yeah. There's no shame in tapping to a, a Kurt Angle or a Chris Benoit. No, not at all. Uh, you, you would uh, find very few people willing to do that these days, though. The referee gets jostled by Chris Benoit, who tries to wake him up, but Benoit as he is distracted eats the Olympic slam for a good kick out and now they're saying that Kurt like he no longer he doesn't think he can make Chris tap out and he has to go for the pinfall yeah. Kurt Angle with his beautiful moonsault which is once again countered he lands right on Chris's knees an incredibly sore looking spot and then Benoit goes to the top rope and hits Air Canada that famous manoeuvre that he hits. It's not what it's called, though, mate. Well, what, what do you call it, like? Head games. Head games! <laughs> it's the flying headbutt. That's the flying concussion, I was going to call God. it. Or the insta-regret. <laughs> <laughs> the Har- Harley Races Nightmare, I was going to call it. Like, There's so many names you could call this move. There's a kick-out from Kurt. Benoit goes for a lovely cradle in a row. Kurt reverses and just goes, fuck it, gets a handful of tights. Yeah. Oh, what a perfect end. So perfect. And people go, it's WrestleMania, it shouldn't end like this. That's why it's a perfect end. Yeah. Mm. And oh, it's a month it. into this feud as well. This is like the first pay-per-view match these guys have had together. They're going to go on to have even greater encounters than this, surprisingly. I'm totally fine with that. And it just makes you want, want to see the next one, because Kurt Sleeve's looking like the biggest piece of shit. Yeah. And he's kind of like, woo, I did it. You did what? Like, you cheated. <laughs> you cheated to win by a way which the week before you said was not how you wanted to win. Yeah. Like, you got a screwy version of the less preferable way of winning. I thought it's absolutely perfect for his character. Backstage, William Regal finds an incredibly offensive Kamala in his office. Oh, dearie me, this hasn't aged well. Not at all. No. Just before that, though, you do get Michael Cole coming up to Regal, and Regal's all sore, like, oh, he's, hello, Mr. Regal there, are you okay? He's like, am I okay? What kind of bloody stupid question is that? And just walks away from him. So, Kamala, from deepest, darkest Africa. Along with kimchi. With kimchi, his white handler. Um, bleh. 2001, obviously wasn't a point in time where we could look back and go, well, that was offensive. Apparently not. Apparently not, even though we had the hindsight of around 10 years or so to to, to look back. Oh, well, I guess. Fort Hood, let me hear it one time. 
Today, Fort Hood has the great good fortune to welcome uh, the WWF superstars. There's a huge community here that supports the WWF, and it's apparent that the WWF supports our armed forces. We're out here on the WWF airplane, man. <laughs> Most military installations never get to have the kind of presence that WWF and WrestleMania brings to us, so it's real honor. We're here to have a good time with these service people. We're here to get them pumped up for WrestleMania. I am a little bit jealous of the U.S. Army because I believe you're the only people alive that kick more ass than the APA. What we're having here is kind of a pre-pep rally for WrestleMania. We've got about, uh, I don't know, probably 20,000 people out here that are just crazy diehard WWF fans. Corey Hood let me hear it one time. Adam, you, you're obsessed with this. I was going to skip over it, but by all means, I'm, honestly, let's talk I think about... we need to include all these little segments because this is what makes WrestleMania 17 for me. <laughs> it's things like The Undertaker going, Ford Hood, let me hear it one time. Things like JBL presenting an army commander with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> a recliner. <laughs> yeah. Lita saying that every single per wrestler that turned up got their own hummer to ride yeah. around in. When she said it, I thought she said we got our own hummus. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very, very very awkward encounter particularly awkward when they have this really shitty USO show type thing yeah. and then you've got the commanding chief going it is apparent WWF supports your forces <laughs> <laughs> which has the necessary distance that he can't get in trouble with anyone for having divas show up at the, at the army base but Bradshaw says he's jealous of the armed forces because yeah. they get to kick a lot of ass I am not. No, he is not jealous. Nobody is jealous of that. No, I've, yeah, I've never heard you groan quite as badly as when it cuts to the uh, the platoon that are all marching together. Going, here comes the Undertaker. Oh, no. Here comes the Undertaker. Tombstone maker. Tombstone maker. The one bit in this that really made me laugh. It, uh, made me laugh is that the, the, the colonel is hang, handing out like plaques to all the wrestlers that have turned up. It just cuts cuts to. Uh, Kurt asking him, oh, can I get mine in the form of a medal? Yeah, I want to wear it around oh, my neck. Kurt Angle works heels. <laughs> he wants a medal he's from like, the he army. Just, he turns to the camera and he's like, I'm an American hero. I don't care what these guys' problem is. Nick's <laughs> a soldier's medal. <laughs> Kurt Angle backstage with a needle in a case stack. Kevin Kelly. Uh, and it's, it's probably the last one ever. Yeah. Not the last that. one ever. Oh, it's not, not the last, last one, one ever. Chris Benoit appears and taps that angle once again. And uh, yeah, intensity here. This one is not over. Chris Benoit's fingers are super glued together. When you come, and like, he's just like, that's right in front of the cameras, all you see is just the, the locked hands. Yeah. And like, when they come back to Heyman, he's like, when Chris Benoit locks in his hands, my Olympic hero has no choice. But to tap out! He, oh. he looks so happy when the camera cuts back to him. Fucking yeah, he's having a great he's, day. He's front row setter for the best fucking wrestling show <laughs> yeah. ever, is what he is. Coming up next, Ivory taking on her friend China. My friend China, after I broke her neck and sent her to the hospital. nothing more that I would love to do than to humiliate you again in front of the entire world at our biggest pay-per-view event. I broke you once before, and I'll break you
so funny about this? Oh, Sunday at WrestleMania on pay-per-view is not going to be funny. My friend, China, after I broke your <laughs> neck. This one started, folks, when China, if you recall all the way back to Rumble 2001, broke her neck. Yeah, her neck exploded. That is what happened. She was off the last one, uh, promoting If They Only Knew, what I was going to do to you, run out here as fast as two feet, we're going to carry you. Ivory has, the right to censor, have been on China's case non-stop goading her into coming back to fight her the idea being they think China is still hurt so she signed a contract which is if right to censor don't come out China has to compete tonight for the the, the rematch for the championship mm-hmm. and the idea being that Ivory thinks that she's going to kill China and paralyze her forever because China's got a hurt neck when we don't know that's a fucking risky game to be playing at Wrestlemania yeah Ivory. seriously I did love the intensity of Ivory killing a cardboard cutout. Yeah. <laughs> Ripping the head like off. Biting it like eating it, man. <laughs> Ivory is fucking incredible. She is. Unbelievable. And for someone who, for so many years or so many pay-per-views, was overlooked and had so many moments where it was kind of like, yeah, Ivory, you're the wrestler, but this is the star over here. Yeah. And, you know, even when people like Trish and Lita came around, it became about them because they were more, you know, obviously marketable stars or whatever. It's very nice to see Ivory get a WrestleMania match. Really, really nice against China in a v- big fe- featured feud. That's yeah. really cool because she's earned it, you know. China stripped Ivory before this one because... Yeah, I think yeah. It's because women. That's how, how it works. And China in this match has got no legal recourse. That would be a great name for a pay-per-view. <laughs> so China's back from her neck surgery. Yeah. yeah. Did her neck surgery just consist of more plastic surgery? Because she looks different again. She is. She's got a new look. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be honest, you, you're not used to seeing China like dressing quite so womanly. Like she's yeah, she's very, very, very sparkly and... purple. She's yeah. got her hair all big and like done up really nice. She like... was kind of going for this like IRL Wonder Woman type thing. Yeah, yeah I can see that. And China at this moment, you know, her time off as well. She was, you know, she there was negotiations for her to do another Playboy. Um, it's quite similar to what happened to Sable, which mm. is getting a bit too big for your boots. No, no, not that she got too big for her boots, but just in that the, the doors opened up, like mm. and. You know, China was on, you know, Letterman. China was on Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know, China starts appearing on Third Rock from the Sun. She starts appearing like the likes of The Rock or Austin Wood and elsewhere. And again, I always thought it was very strange that this kind of coming out to the pop culture party for China happens. Well, backstage, you know, at this moment, there are people going, how are we going to get rid of this woman? Yeah, such a shame. And that is really sad because China is a star. Whatever your thoughts or opinions on her and the things that have come since, at this moment in time, she was a superstar. It was marketable beyond wrestling. And I don't think the company was behind that 100% because of Triple H and Stephanie. And that, you know... There's so many accusations were laid out about, about what happened with the three of those, but no one can argue that fact that China got a raw deal because of a relationship between Stephanie and Triple yeah. H. Now, how cordial they were, we'll never know, but that much did happen. Ivory's heat when she comes out. Holy fuck. Yeah. And I said to you, keep your ears peeled, Adam, because I bet, I bet Jim Ross is going to make a Lilith Crane joke again. And you were, how many times have you watched this paper? I've seen this paper view like eight or nine times. And I said to you, like, no way. I've seen it too many times. I would have recognized that by now. I would have caught it. Ivory on the way to the ring. JR goes, 
Lilith Stern and Crane is going to be a, a tough name. He, what a fucking hardcore reference. He put her amazing <laughs> name in there. That is so hardcore. I mean, we should have talked about Fraser. we met JR now. That's all nice. China comes out with her big zook, huge reaction, huge pop for her. And she kind of awkwardly and lightly jogs to the ring. Notice that now as well, her, her, you said she looked different. Yeah. A lot less musculature. She's a lot skinnier now mm. as well. A lot of things are yeah. changing with China. Ivory clings to her championship belt as the match starts and then blindsides China, just like starts to like get any offense she can. China was like rubbing her neck when she comes out, but it's soon apparent she's okay. She woman handles Ivory. Jim Ross on commentary in a very interesting moment alludes to the fact that China will not be allowed to wrestle men anymore. He's like, because of China's neck surgery and the result of this now, you know, she won't be wrestling any men. She'll be wrestling, uh, she'll be wrestling women. And then, like, Heyman's like, oh, and she'll be such a dominant women's champion yeah. as well. It's, that's not what China wants to do. I bet JR's no. fucking so chuffed, sat there like, that's right, folks, you heard it. There will no longer be any intergender wrestling. And let me tell you something about intergender wrestling. If any woman tries to wrestle a man, <laughs> you will get your neck broken. That is what is going to happen. Like, imagine a JR calling a match where it's, it's, it's a woman fighting a man with two earrings. Whoa! I'm out of here. <laughs> Beloved announcer found dead in Oklahoma. <laughs> like, head exploded in rage. Like, nothing left but a cowboy hat and a smoking pile of ash. China, you know, she, she's got cool offense, but I think we found out when China's wrestling people who can't sell for her or make her look good, it, it's shit. Mm. And Ivory bumps like a boss for China yeah. here. China throws her around like a rag doll, and China looks dominant because of Ivory. Powerbomb, a snap powerbomb to Ivory. Looks beautiful. China's the booger red cover. One, two. Oh, go school. <laughs> He's got a David Flair her ass. She gives her a press slam, Ultimate Warrior-esque. Drops her. Greatest of ease. The greatest yeah. of ease. One, two, three. China wins. Very short squash match, but a nice end to the storyline. And that is wanted. it. That is the first time the right to censor have lost both matches on a yeah. pay-per-view. And before you know it, right to censor would be gone. Uh, the, the, the implosion started. They feuded with Undertaker and Kane shortly after this, which just led to them, you know, the heat boils over with them. Godfather just starts beating up Val. Val beats up Bull. Stevie gets beaten up by all of these. They all just implode. Wasn't it the case that the actual, the real life issues with the uh, the parents' council, uh, you know, finally started to settle back down again, so they disbanded the right to censor on TV because yeah. they were just blown over again. Ba- they were basically, like, happy with, with the way things were. They were on a new network now as well, mm. of course, and as a result of that, the right to censor had kind of done its job. For all the people out there who keep sharing that meme where they say, oh, when you realise the right to censor won its job and WWE became PG, okay, we did still have arranged... Ten or so years yeah. of broad panty yeah. for failure yeah. fantasy. It was a slow burn. Yeah. yeah, it was a slow burn. Just so you know, in 2006, Vince McMahon did grope a woman's breasts on TV. Yeah. So, let's, yeah. let's not forget all the matches at Taboo Tuesdays. Yeah, and all that. exactly. Help Vince McMahon wank match. <laughs> Speaking of, backstage, the McMahon gang is all chatting about Linda McMahon's medication and dosage. Linda is getting uh, her... I don't know, horse tranquilizers from yeah, Trish Stratus tonight. Yeah. Trish is instructed to take Linda out later on in the match when Shane is laid out. And then Michael Cole comes in and asks Vince for a comment about how shocking things have been. And he gives the very ominous, you want shocking. You're going to get shocking. Ooh. When you meet my partner, 
The Shockmaster! <laughs> say, when you meet my son, Billy McGunn. <laughs> Coming up next, it is father versus son. WWF versus WCW. <laughs> Back. A little walk down memory lane, shall we? I want a divorce. I think you have a, a very great future. I would do anything for you, Mr. McMahon. It felt so good when Trish and I brought my wife Linda out in the wheelchair. There, we stood in front of my wife. Wait a minute! There's no! Shane McMahon! You are my son, Shane. You calm down. Just give your dad a hug. him do exactly what he wants to do to whomever he wants to do without worried about ramifications so my question to you dad is do you want to play that's right dad i'm challenging you to a match at wrestlemania i've never backed out from a challenge in my life you've got me at wrestlemania i will never ever forgive your mother for giving birth to you there's only one way and one man that can make history happen Acquired WCW. That's right. I my competition. There's only one small caveat. Time Warner, they've signed the contract, and I will sign the contract. But I'll sign it at WrestleMania. What is the fate of WCW? The very fate of WCW is in my hands. You have to grab your competition by the throat. And you've got to squeeze the life out of your competition. Just like I did to WCW. Just like I'm going to do to my son, Shane. Surprise, Dad. Your ego has gotten the best of you. You wanted to finalize this deal, WCW, at WrestleMania. Well, Dad, that's just the opportunity that I was looking for. The deal is finalized. And the name on the contract does say Folks, this one started over the purchase of coffee. Sorry, WCW. <laughs> I'm so psyched. I'm very excited. Just um, starting out, I'm so I'm so hyped. To Billy's point there, you have the ridiculous story on, of course, with Vince, Trish, and Linda getting to an alarming point where we're talking about, you know, Trish having to take her clothes off and bark for Vince. And like Vince would do things like there was one week he came out, he's like, Me and Trish are gonna do a Hollywood sex scene. And she lay down in the ring. Oh, and then for fuck's sake. And then he went, sake. you know what? I'm going to do this backstage. And he just walked off. Oh. And that's not the worst one. The worst one, though, is when he wheeled out. Or sorry, to, to do in Vincent Mann's voice, when I wheeled my wife Linda out in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> and I proceeded to grope Tristrani. Oh. Right. He's like, there's animals in the animal kingdom that don't lick their young like with that ferocity, uh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. can you imagine Vince McMahon's old veiny tongue down oh, your no, Jesus, no, Like no. it's just like a, oh. yeah. 
No! Poor Trish. Happened to make it. Like, not just making it. I'm talking about he licked up her fucking nostril. Like, oh, yeah. Tongue going in her nose and coming out her fucking ears. <laughs> Gross. And then what did you have? You had this man was like talking about, um, you know, just some big promo in the ring. The no chance hits and Vince is like, God damn it, don't you dare play my music. I'm making a point here. And who comes out? It's Shane, who's been in this self-imposed exile for the last few months after, you know, the, the McMahon-Helmsley mm. faction shut down. Vince is just looking out going, Shane, you're my son. I want you to calm down, Shane. Give daddy a hug. And Shane just goes, <laughs> boom, beats the fuck out of him. I don't think I popped as big as I ever popped in my life. Because yeah. it's not as if I was this big kind of, oh, I wish Shane McMahon would turn face. I hated Shane. Yeah. But it's just, when Shane appears there and straight away it all clicks, the son has come back to stop his father yeah. from mistreating his mother and for all the shit that he's done, it's time for him to be held to Age task. old story. Brilliant. Absolutely fucking brilliant. And you know what? There's people out there and there are people out there, high profile wrestling journalists who roll their eyes every time McMahon is involved in a storyline. Mm. Oh, it's, it's you know, they're all over the plot. Blah, 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 blah. This was fucking awesome. Mm. This was one of the best stories I think that WF has ever told. Coupling the fact that you have Shane buying WCW from underneath Vince, the name on the contract says McMahon, but it reads Shane McMahon in Vince's face. He's like... Some <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing Vince faces in, in the package. I love it. One thing I do have to mention is the night, of course, of the simulcast when the last Nitro went on up against Raw and Vince McMahon had a lovely moment where he got to run through all the WCW wrestlers he hated. Oh, yes. Well, now, here's the WWE. And here's WCW. Well, there's Jeff Jarrett. And here we have the owner of the World Wrestling Federation and now the owner of WCW. That's right. I, Vince McMahon, I have purchased, I own my own competition. <laughs> and tonight, tonight I have the ability to address WWF fans as to what this means. I have the ability to address WCW stars as to what this means to them. And yes, I have the ability to address WCW fans as to what this actually means to them as well. Tonight, at the right time, there'll be a special simulcast. And let me just say that tonight for sure, one man will make history. And that's me, Vince McMahon. Now, as far as the Jeff Jarrett's of the world are concerned, you know how Jeff spells his name? That's J-E-double-F. Well, you know what? Hmm. I would suspect that we'd spell it a different way after tonight. That would be capital G, double O, double N, double E. Gone. And a little bit of a mention. Come around full circle. Our yeah. boy Jeff Jarrett makes a one last appearance on the podcast. Oh, no. As Vince McMahon glowers at the WCW footage of poor old Jeff lacing up his boots for what is likely the last time. And Vince just turns to the camera. This is how Raw started, by the way. Okay, Turns to the camera and he's like, by the way, I own WCW. Oh, look, it's Jeff Jarrett. Remember how he used to spell his name? That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. 
Well, from now he's gonna spell it G double O double N double E God. <laughs> so Jeff, don't hold up Vince McMahon for money. Yeah. <laughs> How's Global Force Wrestling doing? <laughs> um, very jazzed for this one. Incredibly jazzed. Uh, Shane comes out. He's got his uh, awesome hockey top on. The back says, "Vince, we have a problem." Yeah. Brilliant. Shout out to the nosebleeds, aka the boys and women of WCW. There's like five of them <laughs> waving. Really bad cringe. Like, what's going on with my boys up from WCW? And it's like the mid carders, and it just comes up with a little graphic that says WCW wrestlers. Like. Is that Lance Storm or Stacey Keebler's heel? I can't tell, <laughs> you know. Hugh Morris is up there as well, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think the intent was to make them look Bush League. The reality was that they, they looked were. Bush League. There was no Goldberg, there was no Booker T, there was none of the stars. No, you wouldn't put Goldberg. If, if they could, I mean, maybe that was it. They were so far away. I, I'm squinting going, is that Ric Flair or is that <laughs> David Flair? I mean, like, is that Chuck Palumbo or is that Hulk Hogan? <laughs> yeah. This kind of sums up to me that I really really strongly feel that you don't need the WCW angle in all this mm-hmm. as a kid I thought it was like oh this is so cool Shane really fucking double crossed him but you don't need it the story was already so intense and massive and blown up if anything they just completely squandered the whole WCW angle by just tacking it onto this story you can't, can't help but argue though that the fact that they had to capitalise in some way shape or form the fact that WCW was gone and they obviously had plans, and the only way that they could allude to those was, was by, you know, it doesn't factor into the match itself, it's just surrounding Shane. I guess that, thing. but knowing how they follow up on it and what happens afterwards, I think it was just there. Yeah, well, too. hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. Guest referee for this one, Mick Foley, who's been wronged, of course, by Vince McMahon, but still says he's got a call right down the middle. Big, big pop. Vince McMahon comes out in his very comfy attire. Like that, he's kind of like dad on a Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. he's got some jobs to do, but he wants to be comfy. And I love one of my favorite lines of this, where he's walking down to the ring with Steph by his side, intense look in his face, and Heyman goes, for 16 years, Vince McMahon has been at WrestleMania as a promoter. Tonight, he finds himself as a competitor, fighting his own son. Goosebumps every time this yeah. match starts. Absolutely. Fucking amazing start to this one as Vincent Mann slaps and potatoes his son. Yeah. Give him a black eye straight, straight away. away. First move Big shiner. Vincent yeah. Mann just like manhandles his child. Shane starts fighting back though. Steph makes her presence known as she slaps Shane in the face which looks extra sore with that black mm. eye that he has. Shane McMahon heads to the outside and starts showing off his cool moves. I like to think that while he was in his exile he had kind of like a, you know... Um, Batman Begins type thing where <laughs> Lee, trained by trained by like Blackman and Shamrock. Yeah, Blackman Shamrock and Lee Neeson Tom how to use a kendo <laughs> stick like and it's mad slippy and whatnot, you know? So Shane is like flipping his stick around, bopping Vince with the kendo stick, juking and jiving as well from Shane O'Mac doing the which way did he go those punches looked awesome yeah he did. Oh he was just punching it. He was just punching his father in the face. Lovely. Absolutely loved it. Shane sets up Vince on the Spanish announce table and in it, literally as quick as a flash, Steph grabs Vince and like yanks him off and Shane goes sailing through. At such the last second as well. Yeah, the timing was immaculate on that spot. The dive with all those flash bulbs going off, I mean, that's just WrestleMania for me. That's, yeah. Like, yeah. that's just wrestling for me when I see that shot. As Shane has been completely laid out on the Spanish announce table, which has collapsed... 
Trish and Linda appear as Trish starts rolling down Linda, but trying to have that kind of sexy look in her eyes. It's kind of like, yeah, that's right. I'm taking out your wife yeah. who is drugged, but in a sexy manner, you know? She's all greased up as well. She's yeah, very greased very up. Very oily. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, on a night where there's a lot going on, Greasing up oneself doesn't seem like it would factor in highly, obviously. Not obviously not. Linda gets left at ringside and Trish goes over to Vince. And in a fitting, ironic moment, and all this gets wrapped up, Trish takes off all of Vince's clothes, yep. makes him bark like a dog, <laughs> covers him in shit and says, There's only one daddy's little girl. Um, no, she slaps Vince. But Vince is like, how can she slap? It is nice to see Trish get like her her one up on things. Massive pop for it as well. Huge like, pop. Everyone was waiting for that. So good. But it's like I think that would you make up for it if you could remove the covering her in excrement and remove the barking like a dog and remove the making you take all your clothes off then the slap would have been okay. In okay. retrospect, it's, it doesn't make it right, you know? But thankfully, people who are watching this aren't going to see the dog barking and the thing, so they think it's really <laughs> yeah. appropriate. There's retconning on the fucking flying. Trish and Steph fight up the rampway. Foley stares on, and then as he tries to interfere and takes Stephanie away, she absolutely clobbers him. And then Foley like, has this, like, are you serious? Look in his eyes. <laughs> Are you serious, bro? And it's great because Jim Ross is like, you know, Mick Foley's a gentleman. He was raised by a good Christian mother. <laughs> he would never do anything untoward. So Trish chases Steph out of the match and she's no longer a factor. Vince McMahon, however, the camera comes over to him, stares right in his face. He looks and just goes, you bitch <laughs> and Jim Ross and Hamer are like oh what did he say I'm not sure and then Vince just goes you bitch <laughs> once again you know Vince drags Linda into the ring and it's, sits her up it's all really scary this stuff of like stuff with Linda you want to talk about like I know it's been said a million times but a role that is perfect for Linda and she is just fucking has to great at it like not like, reacting to anything but like him just screaming in her face when yeah. Foley trying to protect him and he, he chairs Foley and it's oh. just like the part where where Foley goes and Vince gets his hands like on Linda's wheelchair and Foley calls him, don't even think about yeah. it. Like, and he's, he's just passionate and the crowds are chanting. I, I, I get goosebumps at this point as well. And then Vince... Chairs him oh, from behind. And then right in the face, yeah. he fucking lays Foley out and then he drags Linda into the ring, sits her up on this chair and he's like, you're going to sit down and watch me beat up your son. He keeps calling, he keeps calling Shane your, your son. son. Yeah. Of course, the infamous line in the build of this one, I will never forgive your mother for giving birth to you. <laughs> ah. <laughs> So he beats Shane in front of Linda with a trash can over and over. And then as he's about to do it for the third time, Linda McMahon, by God, she stands up and the arena stands up with her. Yeah, yeah. this is actually, considering what our main event is, uh, this genuinely could be pop of the night. I think this yeah. could be pop of the night, definitely. Genuinely. Absolutely. She stands up looks Vince right in the eyes and just goes from blank to anger and her hands bob and she kicks Vince right in the nuts. And before Vince can even process it, Foley comes in, tees up, the crowd are just, you know, you give them everything they want. Yeah. Absolutely everything they want. So I, I love just Vince's selling for being, being kicked into pieces. He just sort of drops to his knees and he's like shaking like yeah. and just slowly goes down like he's melting you know my grapefruits connect to my black heart 
And then Foley lays him up in the corner, hits the running knee, and Shane McMahon with a spot right out of Rob Van Dam's playbook. It was alleged that Heyman told Shane before this, like, you should do this spot and showed him the tape of it, because Shane was a big ECW fan. Yeah. Shane hits coast to coast, one side of the ring to the other, missile dropkick to Vince and the trash can. Incredible. Unbelievable. Like, I know he's a tall guy. But you d- you wouldn't think he could jump that far. It's impossible. Once again, fucking goosebumps every time when Shane yeah. does that move. Is he gonna make it? Can he do it? He does it. The crowd erupts. Shane wins and then hugs Linda yeah, outside. It's the first. He raises his hand again. for a second and immediately goes outside the he ring. He runs outside the ring. He doesn't bring Linda in the ring because it's not about him. It just he wants her to be safe. Yeah. What a feel good moment. Yeah. And it's a real kind of. It's uh, for me. It's it's kind of like it's like the the creep McMahon from the last few months, like midlife crisis McMahon. Not you know, Mr. McMahon doesn't go away. Obviously, he's still a character. But I feel like this is the end of midlife crisis McMahon for yeah. now, and that kind of really he gets put away. Yeah. The, his son, his mistress, his his wife, the guy he fired, all come together. An alliance of friends joined to beat a wicked evil. Love it, and it transpires then that Trish was in on it all along. After she was made bark like a dog, she was keeping Linda off the meds and they plotted to destroy Vince. Love this match. One of my all-time favourite wrestling moments. Just honestly, like as, as far as, like for a story that had its ups and downs and a lot of things that I took issue with, this is just a pitch-perfect ending to a storyline in wrestling. Doesn't get much better than this. Delicious. Backstage. Glacay. Kevin Kelly. That's a good one. Hey, okay. you know what? You can have that. You can have it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Kevin Kelly with the Hardy Boys at Fan Axis. What about their dog? Matt, Jeff Hardy, forgive me for intruding on your autograph session here, but uh, I know that all of our hearts are going to be in our throats as we watch TLC 2. Yeah, I mean, uh, what can you say? It's TLC 2, it's TLC, TLC, it's the match we created, us along with Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, and you know, obviously we want to walk out of WrestleMania with the tag team titles, you know, that's our goal. But, you know, this almost goes above and beyond the championships, Kevin. I mean, what Edge and Christian, Rhino have done the lead in, myself, it's so personal. This has been a two-year culmination between the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudleys. And it's going to end tomorrow. It has to. You know, I think this may very well be the last time. And I just don't know if any of the three teams will ever be the same. Jeff, Rhino took out Lita last week on Raw. There's so many elements of danger in this match. There's always um, danger, you know, when it comes to the Hardy Boys because, you know, we give it our all every night, man. We put our bodies on the line all the time. And um, TLC matches are very dangerous. And you're right, there's a lot of elements of danger in, in these matches. And all I got to say is, I mean, I'm going in this match like it's my last. Like, seriously, like, Matt cannot multitask. He cannot. <laughs> no, not Jeff, at all. Jeff's grand. Jeff's right and doing a really doing like, graphs, being really yeah. eloquent talking. Matt's is like, duh, duh. Can you imagine <laughs> those? He has no idea where he is. He can't speak and sign at the same time. No. So I'm wondering, like, those fans with access, it's like, you know, Mark Henry? <laughs> <laughs> what about dog? It's like a picture of his brother Jeff, like, you know, WWF. I'm going to put this right on the fridge. WrestleMania. <laughs> They're hyping up what is the, uh, which has been alleged as the final encounter, but it would not be. But it is the second tables, ladders, and chairs match. Oh my. TLC2, the Hardys, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian. One more time for the Tag Team Championship. My God, as I hyped for this one. This really is the third 
TLC. Because yeah, WrestleMania really. 2000, they started this. That counts. Mm. And they're saying here that they're ending this. Yeah. They're not ending this. In terms of this wasn't the end of these types of matches. Mm. But maybe some would argue this was the peak of these types of matches. A couple of extra things which we've got going into this one. The Dudley boys have now brought in their brother Spike. One of the benefits of ECW closing is that we get some extra talent. Mm. Spike Dudley teamed up with the Dudley boys now. He's got like... It's cool, they have like camo spike as well, which is pretty cool. He's their buddy for now, would go on to feud with them. Edge and Christian have their old buddy from the Canadian independent wrestling days. Rhino, the scariest man in wrestling. Mm. Christian, what? Get the Rhino. (laughs) They did that and I love it. Christian coming out, those sunglasses, come on. You're taking the piss He's out, literally so. taking the... They're yeah. bigger than him. <laughs> Polly on commentary drops so many Big Daddy Dudley references, you'd think this was an ECW podcast. <laughs> Talking about it non-stop. And I will be honest, folks, with all these TLC matches, I can't keep up. Here are just some of the big spots, because these spots, non-goddamn-stop. There is no buffer matches in this in this paper, have you noticed? No. There's, the gimmick battle royal is the closest you'll get to a buffer match, really. But it's big storyline, big... Big action, mm. crowd's fine with it. Randy Orton, Triple H, WrestleMania 25, I'm just saying, it's possible. It's true, yeah, they just followed up that massive street fight, and before that you had um, China and I, there's been so many big matches. and no. You're following big hardcore spot yeah. fest with big hardcore spot fest, which again, also makes me think, that whole adage that you can only have one hardcore match on a card, bullshit. No. You can, if they're different enough, you can do it. Each team gets their time to shine at the start as they all do double team maneuvers on the other two on the other two teams. Bubba Ray Dudley in the first sixth spot of the night power bombs Jeff Hardy through a table. Oh, and also Edge who happens yeah. to be on it. Oh. I just love that. That's just big fucking mean bully. He's the biggest man there. He's power bombing someone through someone else. Fucking awesome. All six men climb the ladder. All six men crash and burn spectacularly. Including poor Christian who manages to be the only one who lands outside the ring. Out of nowhere, it's little Spike Dudley who hits an acid drop on Edge. And Christian who just comes up from his fall to the outside eats another acid drop. Through a table. The perfect like crunch. I don't really know much about Spike at all. And... um, the only th- sort of thing that I noticed during this is that, like Spike's not doing any of the work there by the look of it. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. everyone else has given themselves a move. Yeah, he's a hundred pounds. He's, yeah, like, but he he is selling it so well that it looks like he is actually doing it. Yeah, there. It is, it's yeah. actually really good. Out of nowhere, it's Rhino. Oh, he's so scary. Rhino, <laughs> Rhino scares me because you know, Rhino does NXT. Is doing NXT stuff. Mm. And he's kind of, you know, he's older, he's rounder, he's less scary. But in the pro- hypo packages, they always show Rhino's old ECW promos where he would just beat the fuck out of a locker. He's like, my name is Rhino! <laughs> he scares me. He gored Lita on Raw before this. And he gores fucking everyone. He gores Matt through a table. But who comes out but the woman who was injured by Rhino not one week ago? It is Lisa who hits the Lita Kinrana on Rhino off the top rope. And then she grabs the chair and smashes poor Smike Dudley. Oh, God, kills that poor Chair boy. was the wrong way around, so when she hit him, it opens. Yeah. So it just looks like Spike gets crowned, essentially. <laughs> But then Lita, in true ECW fashion of this one, gets a 3D from those damn Dudley boys. Dudley's having out much time to celebrate, however, as Edge and Christian come in and lay them out with some fucking... 
pull the chair off and it's like throw a chair at Bubba he catches it so then you whack him in the face with another chair as well it's fucking absolutely sick these chair shots that they take and there's a point here as well when Jeff goes to the outside and he sets up his hyper ladder his ladder which is taller outside than the two ladders that are set up in the ring and he just flops off and hits Rhino and Spike off the top of the ladder like the tables don't even break properly yeah. and Jeff lands and like rolls right into the camera you can see him like face on and he just looks like he wants to die mm. he looks so uncomfortable you'd think that would be his last spot of the match that they'd save that for his last bit but He's he carries up. on for like another 10 minutes after that and I will be honest one issue I had with this match compared to the other ones is that there seemed to be a lot more big move get up yeah you know no, Jeff no, does seven. this then he's up you know there's these big spots in the match which usually would take people out and however they keep them in yeah everyone's looking a little too overpowered a little bit I mean Christian fell to the outside then took a move through a table and he was back in the ring for a few moments later yeah. again I think if we are looking to, to, to nitpick that would be a flaw with this TLC match compared with the other ones but they're trying to amp it up so that's going to happen I guess Devon and Christian climb the ladder both latch onto the belts but the ladder gets taken away really scary moment when Christian's just there with one arm like trying yeah. to hold on fucking incredible and a really sore bump when he falls just let's mm. go just falls off Oof. falls right in his sides Jeff botches flies a little bit too close to the sun there sets yeah. up three ladders I think it'd be really cool tries to uh, do a stepping stone rope. yeah, yeah. tries to do like stepping stone I think it'd be really cool if I did a tat rope walk across <laughs> this and I like, kind of had all Tim Burton music playing when I did <laughs> and then when I grabbed the bells it started to snow <laughs> uh, sadly Jeff this one should have stayed on the, the drawing board I believe yeah. there was no way I mean I've always said there was no way it could have worked. No, and even if he did manage to do it at some point in planning or whatever, he just did that giant swan. He's shaking. Like, yeah, not, yeah, not two minutes ago. The, the only way I could have seen this working would be if all, everyone else involved in the match was on at least one of ladders trying to climb weighing up, them down. weighing it down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That would have worked. Yeah, they're all climbing and then he can just go over the top of everyone yeah, else. Yeah, that could have worked. Yeah. Sadly, it's it's just, he falls, he doesn't even fall like with a bump, he falls and lands on his feet. Yeah, it takes a side for him. But we pretty much forget about that straight away because we get the famous edge spear to Jeff Hardy when Jeff is left on the loop hanging there. Bubba Ray pulls him back, launches him in, fucking beautiful. Edge just made himself famous. Yeah, there you go. Seriously, yeah. And out of all the people in this match, the sacrifices that they made, uh, Edge is the only one who came close, I think, to getting the career. Hmm. I'm not saying these guys like, didn't live up to their expectations, but in terms of what I felt people are deserved from the sacrifices they take, Edge is the only person, I think, who really got that. And Edge really made himself look like a star here. Notice his spot was about him. Yeah, that's true. His move. Quite smart. Because you get Bubba Ray and Matt then, they fall off the edge and they go through four tables. Mm. But that spot's not about them. Not anyone could do that spot. Anyone could have done not that. Not anyone could do a spear. Or edge doing like the spear to yeah. Jeff Hardy. He's got to be remembered. Very, very smart. Rhino, of course, pushing off Matt and Bubba and then helps Christian Edge to their feet and essentially gets the belts for them. Uh, a very unfair ending, I thought, but fits in with Edge and Christian. I will say, I think this is... In terms of the spots and the quality of the spots and the reactions, this is probably the more stacked, the more action-packed TLC mm. match. But in terms of the overall match, I think maybe TLC one or even the the WrestleMania two thousand match, I would find myself leaning towards. I know I've watched this match a lot though, so yeah. maybe that's just me nitpicking. I get a little bit desensitized to some of it. But Billy, you'd never seen this match, so no. I really want to know what you I, thought. I knew about the famous spear. But I didn't know that was this pay-per-view. 
Mm. So when I saw it, I was like, oh shit, I know this moment. I, I, I loved it. It was it was crazy overbooked, but it didn't detract from it. Yeah. Like with having, you know, three teams of two guys and each one of those teams has got an extra person yeah. coming in yeah. and getting involved. Quite you'd think one. like that could get really bad, but it, 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 it didn't. Then, yeah. And it would also be so difficult for all three teams and then the three non-team members yeah, coming yeah. in. Every single person gets their shit in. Yeah, everyone got a chance to shine, which is really cool. And it's so rare that you can get something like that. I, yeah. I, nice that match, I really thought it was incredible, this match. It's nice that Lita and Spike and Rhino got a chance on WrestleMania 17. Mm-hmm. You know, and got Rhino and Spike just debuting. Rhino looks like a fucking killer here. Yeah. He's like, he, he won the match for his team. Jim Ross sadly says, say a prayer for these six men at the end of it. It's yeah. like, it's the, the repercussions are we've discussed before. But nothing taking away that these guys did incredible. And the rumour was that after this, when the payoffs were being given out, uh, Undertaker, like him and Triple H got a bigger payout than these guys. And he's like, no, give this money to, to these six men because they put on. Good guy. They put Taker on, said that. Yeah, Taker made sure that they got extra pay and it was taken from the other, the other royalties from that night. Very, very good. I actually, watching it again for the podcast, uh, I've seen this match like you, I've seen it dozens of times. It was the first time I got appreciation for everyone talks about how big and how spectacular the spots are and everything. Mm. But because I've seen those and desensitized to them, this time I paid more attention to just the transitions from spot to spot. And really, that is one of the most impressive things about it's this match. It's all very fluid. No one's in the way. Everyone knows where to yeah. be at any second in this match. No idea how they planned this. It flows flawlessly. And yeah. it's just so impressive that they can do that. Incredible stuff. This is the match that people show to get people into wrestling or to prove that wrestling is not what they yeah. think it is. And for good reason. Another bit of fan access... What my favourite part of it being when they just cut quickly to Jim Ross and said, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. <laughs> I, there's a bit where um, Kane is talking about interacting with fans. Kane talking with about mascot. interacting with fans exposes the business. It does. Genuinely does. Genuinely does. Act- WrestleMania. Unless his fans Kane just are... talking in like his shoot voice to yeah. say, I'm really happy to be here. It's really nice to meet all these uh, fa- fans, you know? Yeah. If he started talking about Austrian economics, we know that he would have went one step too <laughs> fucking far. We get announced that the attendance record has been set of nearly 68,000. And before we can spend too long dwelling on that amazing figure, it's time. It's time. Three million gimmicks in the WWF Gimmick Battle Royale. It is time for the Gimmick Battle Royale. Whoever came up with the idea for this? Genius. So inspired. On the grandest stage of them all, the biggest pay-per-view of them all, you've after beaten WCW, ECW, and you're turning around going, you know what? Wrestling's fucking weird. Yeah. And I applaud this. I, I think I read somewhere it was it was pa- uh, Patterson and Briscoe. I heard that, that yeah. Sense, and yeah. I had seen this match before. Um, this is the one match from 17 um, I, I'd seen before. And I was thinking about it. Of the three matches I'd seen before we started this this this, this podcast... It was so surreal. I'd seen the gimmick Battle Royale from 17. I'd seen Undertaker and Mankind Hansel at King of the Ring. And I'd seen Blackman versus uh, Shamrock in the Ring of Death Circle of Cars match. That is so surreal. That but that's very of, of this great period of wrestling, these are, the, these are the matches I have yeah. seen. Well, what I like most about this is like, people like rag on this match and say that it's a, it's a stinker and a dud fest. But what's nice about it is that one... 
We don't have a stair welcome here, folks, okay? Number two, a lot of guys who really could have done with this got a payday yeah. and got to be on a pay-per-view, yeah. all right? And, you know, as sad as it is, but the reality is is that a lot of guys here got a lot of bookings because of this. You know, ironic or otherwise, they got them. I know? think the main thing I enjoy about this is this is a really serious, heavy-going pay-per-view. Lots of, like, blood feuds and big matches, and normally you'll have a buffer match where it's like two jobbers will have like five minutes or whatever. Or a but five instead, second Divas Championship yeah, match. Yeah, but instead you get ten minutes of pure nostalgia where everyone gets to see Legends of Wrestling come out and like, you know, it's funny. It's, this is perfect. It's actually a popcorn match in the best way yeah, possible. Yeah, totally. And look who's come crawling back through the small supplicant door covered in dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Vince. Mean Gene Oakland. Fucking happy to see you back here in a big way. I expect all the combatants in the Gimmick Bat Royale to start crying at any moment because Mean Gene's coming out. I miss my son. <laughs> and who's coming out as well? Bobby fucking Heenan. The biggest goddamn smile on his yes. face. Oh, man. You know what? Bobby, he's only here for the night, and I watched a shoot interview that was done, like, a couple of weeks after this uh, pay-per-view was recorded, and he was just talking about how much fun he had, because he was so miserable in yeah. WCW. The only reason he was there is because I think his daughter was in uh, college in Atlanta, so he would move there, good pay, mm. not a lot of travel, fine, let's do it. And he was really happy to be back here. And like, he was telling stories like, I met these two guys. Who are they called? The Dudley Boys. <laughs> and they, they're the nicest guys ever. They're so funny. And like, it's just the idea of like wrestling's past and wrestling's present meeting each other in, in this lovely way. Yeah. And you know what? You didn't have your Hall of Fame this year, but it's nice that some of these guys, and some of them weren't maybe that big a star to get a chance to, to have a bit of time in the spotlight. Bobby Heenan and Gino are on commentary. Gold. Mm. Absolute gold. And we're going to go through the combatants in this gimmick battle royale. First, Luke and Butch, the Hall of Famers, the Bushwhackers. Yeah, Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hall of Famers. They lick the Hall of Fame temple of Mean Gene Okerlund they come out. To which Bobby Eden goes, They're licking Mean Gene Okerlund. My God. <laughs> Duke, the dumpster, Drozzy. No idea who this guy is. Crickets. Uh, do you know that he beat Triple H on the Royal Rumble at Triple H? I'm just saying, like, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, my brother was just like, I remember he couldn't, like, when this Gimmick Battle Royal happened, he couldn't stop laughing the entire time. Because at one point, Bobby Heenan goes, uh oh, the garbage man is here. <laughs> just like, look out, it's a bin man. And if you were like me as a kid who didn't know who most of these people were, it was just so funny to see there was a bin man. Yeah. Why is this man? And he's got bin man music. The dumpster. Duke the dumpster Drozzy says, say no to drugs. Coming up next, the Sheik himself, Sheiky Baby. Oh, yeah. The Iron Sheik. Which Bobby Heenan clips, by the time he gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. And next, someone who, when I said this, it was so weird, not making his first appearance on the podcast. Yeah. It's Earthquake. It's our boy Golga. It's Golga, but it just doesn't, it's not him, though, surely. Weird. I still can't... I need to see an angle where Golga gets on mass for me to finally yeah. accept the fact that Golga was Earthquake. <laughs> the Goo! <laughs> Pure 
Exiles. There, but the grace of God, goes Chris Jericho. <laughs> Doink the Clown! Big pop for Doink. I believe he's been portrayed by the Brooklyn Brawler here tonight. He looked a bit like him. A little bit like him. The big expressive eyes of the Brooklyn Brawler. The aforementioned, incredibly offensive Kamala with Kim Chi and the Doctor of Style himself, Harvey Whippleman. Yeah. WWF's concierge. Much as the way that my brother was obsessed with Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, my obsession with the Repo Man. Well, I mean, I'm just a child, like, just kind of like putting my, my hand to my chin, going, what are you? <laughs> Hamburger? Yeah, I was going to say, he looks a bit like the Hamburger. Like. Last week, he repoed his own mother, like. <laughs> now, tell me, you've heard the stories that he was part of uh, Demolition. Yes. You've heard the stories that he does not want to talk about Repo Man yeah. ever. Why? I, I think you can see, it's pretty self-evident, isn't it's it? It's the Repo Man! Yeah. Would you be happy like having that to your name? My favourite Repo Man moment ever. I watched him rest. I, as soon as I got, as soon as YouTube was a thing, the first thing I did, folks, when I discovered YouTube, right in, in the late two thousands, was Google Repo Man because I just had to start seeing matches. And I watched him and Bret Hart, and he's Bret in a in a submission hole, and he's going, "Pay your bills, Hitman! Pay your bills!" And Bret Hart is just there going. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Once he repoed Randy Savage's hat as well. Oh. <laughs> what a heel. Coming up next, <laughs> from the category of we need to make numbers, James E. Cornette. Oh, oh man, Cornette. Fucking love Cornette, like, out to wrestle tonight with uh, his tennis racket. Apparently, rabbit. yeah. Love it. Nikolai Volkov. Um, he comes out of the saddest of music. A man who looks like he's made of potato salad. Oh, <laughs> It's just, I said to the lad, we watched this last night together, and I said to the lads, it's like, don't have Nikolai Volkov come out looking like this, because you did an angle where he was homeless living in a box, and that's all I can see. <laughs> what was the one that you had, the other depressing Volkov? Oh, when um, he had that match in a gymnasium where they couldn't even afford a ring, so they just put out a giant mat and he had to ring. This is like two years ago. Oh, it's no. rough. Yeah, it's we don't horrible. need a ring. Yes, you do. You really do. Michael P.S. Hayes. What the fuck is he doing? He looks like a complete prick. He does. And I, well, I say he looks like it. He is a complete prick. Um, well, I will say, reason Michael Hayes is here, number one, he is Michael P.S. Hayes, of course. Number two, Freebirds and Von Erichs, Texas, Houston would have been a big feud. Yeah. Bad Street, USA, he comes out to the old Freebird music. He's got the Freebird shirt and the Confederate flag yeah. cape. So he was just kind of, he got a big reaction from the crowd as well. Yeah, it's just not a gimmick really in my mind. Like you got all these big crazy characters and then, and Michael Hayes. And your dad in the jacket he won at the carnival. Yeah. At the jungle. Me too. The one, man gang. I only uh, know this guy is Akeem. It's another great offensive gimmick. Yeah, I mean, Akeem, the African Dream, obviously they thought that they had Kamala and Akeem in there. Did the parents tell you that they would cancel WrestleMania? <laughs> the Gobbledygooker! What? The Gobbledygooker? Sorry, they call him the Gobbledygooker. <laughs> the Gobbledygooker. <laughs> the Gobbledygooker, which thankfully they included the video package because they probably foresaw a nation of people going, there's no fucking way there was a. <laughs> nope, here he is. You don't. No, you could just put any old footage. Here he is dancing with Mean Gene. Now it's proof, and he's holding up a newspaper. You know it. <laughs> Tugboat! <laughs> 
looks amazing. He does. <laughs> Honestly, he looks brilliant. Bluto from Popeye. <laughs> yeah, I was so impressed with him. Unbelievable. Tugboat, fucking amazing. You know, he's yeah. a shot master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like, compared to everyone else, he looks fucking fantastic. I, I feel bad for Tugboat because, I mean, Shotmaster reveals a death note from him, but yeah. he just looks like a hoss. Yeah. I want to see John Cena beat him, convince him. <laughs> so speaking of Popeye, yeah. here comes Hillbilly Jim. Fucking oh, hell. With that. Just eating a spinach pose. Yeah. Which I, I've he seen this. I've seen this before. Never noticed that. You turned to me and said, "All right, Billy, watch this now." And you heard how hard I laughed. He just transforms. Like he actually. He's like he's made of rubber. <laughs> Amazing. Brother love. Saying you should have made a series of Care Bears as a prank and have them have that I love you thing in there as when you squeeze their tummy. <laughs> I realised that I really like would like to see Brother Love get his own segment on Tim and Eric Horson's show. He like, is such a Tim and Eric. Yeah. So fit in with us. Fucking love Brother Love. And finally, rounding off this motley crew, GI Joe himself. Sergeant Slaughter! The camouflage chin. The, the <laughs> concept of this match, I love, love, love it. Love it. Because you know what? We went through the best part of the match there, which is just seeing everyone come out. That's all it is. What proceeds is three or so minutes of old men falling over the top rope. Hayes stays in far too long, as does Jim Cornette. Gotta get his shit in, brother. I guess so. Volkov falls out in a very jiggly manner. An avalanche of rice pudding falls <laughs> over the top rope. Again, when Doink gets eliminated, there's massive heat. Big heat. Big heat. Big heat. Yeah. People like the clown. Well, you got to bear in mind as well, um, Jericho did the Doink thing only like of two course, weeks yeah, before, with, didn't uh, he? To introduce yeah. fans to Doink again. I do like when Bobby Heenan and Mean Gene are talking about the atmosphere in mm. the in the air. You could cut it with a knife. Like he just, he, he, with his he motions with his hand and he turns as he says with a knife and he kind of raises his eyebrows. Two old pros. The finish of the match comes when the Iron Sheik manages to eliminate Hillbilly Jim to win. The real reason Iron Sheik won this match, folks, is because his legs were so fucked up he couldn't actually go over the top rope. Yeah. I we were asked by Joe of how to wrestling. Why was he wrestling the match then? <laughs> hey, you'll be fine. You'll win. Yay! Afterwards, Wario gets the Cobra Clutch from Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> as he slowly passes out to send the fans home happy. He's got him in the clutch and then Gene, for whatever reason, just goes, Look at those boots! <laughs> just noticed after all these years. Gene, the Gene, Gene he's got pointy boots! <laughs> Coming up next, a match which was designed most definitely to keep Triple H happy for not being in the main event. Yeah. The game, Triple H! Taking on the American Badass, The Undertaker. I have beaten everybody that there is to beat. I have taken your heroes. I have beaten every single one of them. The Undertaker? You ain't ever beat me. I'm the dead man. And if you try me, I'll make you famous. Triple H ambush in The Undertaker. You're the guy that makes people famous, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. You know what? I'm already famous. You know what I'm famous for? I'm famous for crippling people. I'm warning you. You screw with me, I will cripple you. Undertaker waiting for Triple H. What's going through his head, Cole? What is he going to do to Triple H? Show him you're going to take me out of the game, big man. If I go to jail tonight, 
assured, I will be out in 12 hours. Four police officers try to restrain The Undertaker. He's going to go to jail to get a full taste of the game. I want to press full charges. Don't worry, I'll take care of that right away. Don't you worry. I have a restraining order here. This restraining order is for one Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. What? And it says that if you come within 25 feet of that lovely young lady, you will be arrested on the spot. Undertaker just gave his brother some instructions. Oh, man, there's no restraining order against Kane! And now Kane is stalking Stephanie, who's running for her life! Please, I'm begging you, put it down! That would be a nasty fall, wouldn't it? But what, what do you want? I want a match with Triple H at WrestleMania, one-on-one. -on -one. I can't do that! What? Put it down, please! Kane, sit step out no, here! No, please! No! You've got what you want, you've got your match! in my yard. I think they call it a decade of destruction. Your yard is in the middle of my world. I warned your ass. You couldn't listen, could you, dead man? Sledgehammer to the head of The Undertaker. Triple H is destroying The Undertaker's motorcycle. Triple H tossing The Undertaker's motorcycle on the stage. Oh my God, look at The Undertaker's eyes. Can you imagine what The Undertaker's going to want to do to the game at WrestleMania? Oh my, Triple H was pissed he was not in the main event in this one. <laughs> my goodness. He had beaten Austin, he had beaten Foley, he had beaten Rock, he had beaten, he had beaten all the heroes, is what he said. And then Undertaker said, yeah, but you ain't ever been made famous by the big yard and this dog. <laughs> and truthfully, Triple H had never faced Undertaker yeah, on that interview. Yeah, true. And so this was actually a match that had never happened. And as a result, I was very excited for this. Mm. It's kind of a match which you take for granted because they're two big names. Mm. But they most definitely have uh, not done this before. It's a, it's a shame knowing about the streak. Watching back WrestleMania with The Undertaker. Yeah, it's a foregone conclusion. You always know. Um, but if you, if, you, if you were to believe WrestleMania 27, this match never happened. If you so recall. it could go either yeah. way. could go either way. Who is this red-haired, boogerish fellow in the ring? I don't know. Maybe it's The Undertaker. There's an amazing line from Triple H in this. But, you know, just after Undertaker says it will make him famous... You cut to a backstage assault where Triple H knocks Taker out and like sits on him with a chair and he just goes, I'm already famous. I'm famous for crippling people. Oh, <laughs> so bad. It's, a, it's, it's the moment in the, the package where Taker's just sat on his bike waiting for Triple H. Looking all serious. got an aluminium baseball bat and just yeah. tapping it on the floor. It's so shit. Oh, <laughs> so shit. Oh, so we, we've, we've run the entire Attitude Era now. And Undertaker has been shit throughout for me. <laughs> oh. He has his moments. He has his moments, I would say. But definitely, he's had his moments of lameness with this gimmick. Triple H was very upset that Undertaker was seemingly going after Stephanie. So he put a restraining order. And to get around the restraining order and get a match, Undertaker did what any sensible person would do. He got his incredibly violent mask, Seven Foot Brother, to press slam his wife, Stephanie, over a balcony and threatened Commissioner Regal that he would kill her unless he gave her a match. It's such an amazing image. Instead of going, yeah. please, 
Don't kill me! It's a hell of a shot, though. I don't yeah. want to die! <laughs> okay, once you kill Stephanie real quick, they're like, oh no, please don't! <laughs> oh, fine, you have your match. And Triple H is like, oh, god damn it, are you sure you couldn't have killed Stephanie? <laughs> so, god uh, damn it, Regal! <laughs> so Triple H goes for Taker's wife, his motorbike. Oh! <laughs> and the activate Triple H had special gear for destroying the bike. He had his backwards leather paddy cap on again, and his leather gloves, yeah. and sunglasses! <laughs> Imagine if it was if he if he was trying to do it like black glove style again, like dropping trying to drop anvils on the bike. <laughs> Drive past the bike in a car and hit him with a hammer. <laughs> Dink my wing mirror. Oh no, 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 no. Live music at WrestleMania. Let's flash back to our very first and very shit first episode. Incredibly lame. You know my feelings on a, any live band at WrestleMania is always a bad sign for me. It's never worked well. Has, it, has there ever been in the history of WrestleMania a live? Band playing someone out, that's been cool. Never. Flow rider, mate. Never. <laughs> Flow rider. So, yeah, Adam, thoughts? Have they changed? Have you matured? Have you developed as a grown man in these past few years? Have you really think that live music at WrestleMania is a bad thing? That was one of the first things we got heat about. WrestleMania 31 last year. Yeah. The, I forget who it is, the girl that did that song for the actual theme. That oh, was yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah, that was that really was. good. Yeah. WrestleMania 30, Bray coming out. Bray Wyatt coming out to Mark, uh, Mark Crozer doing the live performance. Fucking awesome. Oh, about WrestleMania 28? What do we see? <laughs> Cult of personality. <laughs> WrestleMania 29 there, yeah. So, WrestleMania 17, which features. Motorhead, they're gonna kick your ears ass. We are Motorhead. Undertaker and King. Are we gonna kick your ass? Ready to get it on. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Motorhead come out and they sing I Am The Game with clever new lyrics. <laughs> it's not even just the singing, like the fucking mics have got really bad feedback on them, they're squealing. The, and sa like, the sound is not good. The awful. He is so unsure when they get to the play the game, gonna change your name, you're gonna be the same, you're gonna be the game. He's like, Change the game and go die if they go to game the game and I go to the game the day to day. Fucking awful. Frasier when he forgets buttons and bows. I'm the game. Buttons and bows. Great fucking great attempt. Triple H goes over to jam with them. It's just no oh, it's bad. So awkward. Crowd think it's legit, but it's lame as fuck. Yeah. Taker comes out on the bike and he fucking zooms down. Oh, I <laughs> love it. So fast, scary fast. I generally thought he was gonna hurt himself. <laughs> Crash into the <laughs> So fast, he shouldn't be. But it's not a far, it's not a far journey down the ramp. He doesn't need to drive that fast. I've gone and made a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. I love the iconic shot. Like That's again, so you, know, cool. you see that in video packages for taking to zoom and down. Headlamp, like all the fucking flash bulbs going off, amazing. Uh, also, as well, he's finally settled on ring attire, which will be his ring attire for the rest of his dead manning phase. He looks fucking great. Grand, this is perfect. brilliant. Yeah, yeah he does perfect. look good. No fucking stupid shirt, no fucking Midian gear. No denim. Leather pants, fucking black singlet. Fine, perfect. And one thing I did hate about Undertaker, though, is he's got that annoying fucking shoe intro. <laughs> Air Walker. 
All right, if you were like me and you got WrestleMania 18 for the GameCube thinking it would be the next No Mercy and then your life was ruined forever, you will know how annoying it was that when you won a match as The Undertaker, it just went, one, two, three, The Undertaker wins. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. into the third replay when it goes, Great man warrior. <laughs> fucking hate it. Great action from the get-go on these guys. Uh, you know, Shonky in that Spanish announce table break at the start, though. Uh, Taker just tosses him onto the table and then Triple H's ass just goes, boing, straight off of it and the table just topples over. But uh, uh, nice back and forth from the American booger ass and the game Triple H. Big Triple H's gay sign. Yeah. Uh, Notice how the signs have really improved in today's They cleaned up their act. We're not talking. Yeah. I mean, it's not, the, not us not picking up on it. It's just them like not bringing them. It's not as many. Not yeah. as many. But Triple H is gay, nonetheless. Old school. <laughs> Bellows it. Bellows it. So you know it's old school. Six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H counters it. Triple H squares off with Mike Kyoda and we get some ref bumping in this one. It's quite interesting that this becomes kind of like a street fight, even though it's meant to be regular one-on-one. Taker on his knees goes for the bop da bop 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 punches. That's when he's on his knees, he just kind of starts throwing his hands bop like a the little ball. rock them sop them robots. I, um, I, I started getting really distracted at this moment. Yeah. Because I noticed there's a guy on the hard camera, second row, who's got a big title belt. And he is talking on his phone, pointing at the Titantron the whole way through what the What are you? He's on the second row. He's watching this. He's just, like, just talking to his friends. Yo, bro, I'm on TV. What match is on? I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know some old guys. <laughs> Triple H gets his hands on that damn sledgehammer. Not after he, not until after he kills the timekeeper to get it, though. Jesus yeah, Christ. Christ. The ref dehammers Triple H. As Triple H tries to go for the pedigree on Undertaker, it is reversed into a ref bump. An amazing choke slam to Triple H. He takes the choke so slam. So big. Just his arm, he uses it to push himself up. He gets amazing height. Incredible. Kick out, and Taker, in a very heelish moment, just elbow drops the referee. Crowd brawl, and these guys start going up into another makeshift tech area. Triple H wears out Booger Red's red ass with a steel chair. Not till afterwards, though, Undertaker gains to his feet and Triple H gets chokeslammed straight to hell. Hell is a styrofoam mattress, like, Adam and Billy. Yeah. The, the crowd go absolutely crazy. Like, it's a huge holy shit chance. Then there's like, Heyman saying he just dropped Triple H two stories. It's, it's not three feet. You literally just see like Triple H disappear like into a blue. Really good, sh- really great shot that. Yeah, and when it turns it. around to reveal where he's fallen, it's three feet and, and when Jager gets onto it and it bounces him up. Yeah, like. it's full of matches. When they, when they go to nothing, Jim Ross goes, where did he go? Hell? <laughs> <laughs> the ref has been out this entire fucking yeah, time. seriously, man. Unbelievable. They get back to the ring, and this referee, who has literally had a, in a coma... The, the, them running through the, cra- uh, the crowd with all the rabid fans, it's like a scene from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, trying to get... Can I just say, fucking out to your podcast, finally, 37 main episodes, 36 main episodes in, we finally got not one, not two, but three instances of good crowd brawling. Yeah, yeah. excellent crowd brawling. Even. Really good crowd best brawling tonight. Big Dog gets a big hammer, but gets low blow by Triple H before he can kill him. And this is where we get our last ever grunt of the night here, Holy gentlemen. Holy fuck. 39 minutes and 30 seconds, Taker gets hit in the bollocks and goes, No! in desperation, lashing out with a low blow. Oh. Well, the ring may be the under- 
falls over. Oh. We also get a sign which says, Suck me beautiful. That's I, I don't know there what, a lot. I don't know what that yeah. means. Yeah. I need to see the grammar for that to understand it. There's no grammar, it just says, Suck me beautiful. Can we get X-Pac on the horn to really kind of tie <laughs> this one up for us? Uh, Slugfest breaks out between the two. Triple H attempts the Tombstone pile driver, which is reversed. We get our first Tombstone in what seems like fucking forever. Yeah. Last ride attempted by The Undertaker, and one of the sickest, most cerebral reversals, as Triple H takes the hammer up with him and just goes... Bang. You can hear a donk. You realise that when Taker's bleeding after this, that was legit. What? I watched... Fucking carefully, and there is hard, no point where Taker could have even possibly bladed. That was he definitely. It was a, open, a, a, like. a rough looking cut because if he did blade, he cut down, which would have made any sense. He, he, he didn't have chance to blade. That was real. Very Horrible. very scary spot. Really amazing though. And the kick out that came here, I was convinced Triple H was going to win because yeah. Triple H would win a match like this this kind of way. But Undertaker manages to get the last ride of Triple H. Triple H is in the corner, just like really like fucking mouthing off, like I'm gonna kill him. Of course, this is before this spot had been done a trillion times. So at the yeah. time, getting the ten punch into her last ride was like, oh my god, really great finish. Undertaker wins this one, takes himself up to nine and zero. Undertaker's streak does get a little mention here, although it was not a real factor in the match. Yeah considering what these two guys had going into this and they could have easily made themselves afterthoughts it just goes to show that if you are a big enough star you can't be made an afterthought mm. no and these guys had an incredible match Undertaker's best match on the podcast that isn't like a big gimmick match yeah. like Hell in a Cell absolutely I would say more absolutely. or less yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be in agreement with that Phenomenal. one there another ad for fucking pie oh Rock was talking Chinese <laughs> The Rock says, I don't want anyone from China buying this CD because I hate your voices. But if you buy this one, you get a custom Rock internet browser. It removes all of that weird Asian letters which I Rock doesn't understand and I don't want to see on my web browser. Fucking ick. Coach with the winner of a contest. You've all been winners this WrestleMania weekend, but I'm with one of the biggest winners of them all, the winner of our WrestleMania and Limp Biscuit contest William Boshert 14 years old and William had to make the most creative sign using Limp Biscuits hit CD chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored now of course you've got to be having the time of your life I am having a great time of my life I got to go to WWFN access I got to go to Wrestlemania I got to see The Undertaker beat Triple H Undertaker is my favorite wrestler and I get to go to a concert by my favorite band Limp Biscuit. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a look at the picture that you created using that CD cover. Now, how did you come across doing this and uh, submitting this for the contest? Well, I had to mix Limp Biscuit, my favorite band, and WrestleMania, one of the biggest wrestling pay-per-views of all time, and I just got that picture. All right, congratulations. Enjoy the rest of WrestleMania. Thank you. Here we go, Adam. Adam Bibolo, I defer to you. This is the, the segment I've been waiting for. Since this is why started. we fucking started this podcast. When we started it, I said to Kevin, like, yeah, okay, I'll do it on the one proviso that we get to talk about William Beauchere when the time comes. <laughs> How you know his fucking name is beyond Have me. Have you ever looked him up on Facebook? No, no, I've just seen this so many times. This is one of the things that, like, me and my friends would relentlessly take the piss out of this kid when we were younger. You monster! He's such a dweeb. <laughs> like, come on. No, 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 come on, to be fair to Billy, like, we'd all, in that scenario, his age, be as dweeby as he. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. 
but he is a fucking dweeb. He's like, so how are you enjoying yourself here? Well, I had a great time. I wrestled many fan ass. Oh. I just wanted to take a big triple H. I'm taking my favorite wrestler. And I'm able to be here at WrestleMania. I'm going to win an album cover of Limbiscat. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he had to draw, make his own sign using, as Coach calls it, chocolate starfish and the hot dog. <laughs> and um, how they, have to, they have to mix up the cover and just wrestling yeah and wrestling and he just has the cover of it he's put himself down in the bottom left lying with his hat on holding the cd holding the cd <laughs> very meta and then rock and austin's head have been put on the naked fat things at the back yeah it is the worst goddamn picture so i've ever seen i would have liked to have seen the pictures that didn't make <laughs> what they just said, someone, someone just sent in shit smeared on a piece of paper <laughs> like well i think this william beauchart kid's gotta get it i just feel that we really could have won this thing you know yeah. we, absolutely we totally. really could have won this thing well now it's time for our main event here comes the WWF championship sailing your way (laughs) it's The Rock one more time taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin will be in the main event at Wrestlemania oh hell yeah Yeah! 
every drop of sweat, every drop of blood, every ounce of energy I have, you are going to get the absolute best of The Rock at WrestleMania. I need to beat you, Rock. I need it more than anything that you can ever imagine. There can be only one World Wrestling Federation champion, and that will be Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin. With all due respect. Check out my Fucking hell. First of all, the shot of Austin that you get and the shot of The Rock before they come out. Austin, like, takes a long... To quote Vince McMahon, he takes a long, hard look in the mirror. Yeah. He has literally got that look on his face like... I'm about to do this. I'm doing this. Yeah. You know? Not going back. Things, you know, I'm about to do this, and the only thing I can do in response is mention it every single episode <laughs> of my, my weekly podcast. This video, I'm really happy we watched the, the DVD version to get the unedited My Way. Um, my Way fits my DVD, so perfectly. Love it. You know, absolutely love it. Best so Michael package ever, in my opinion. Just... Flawless. I've been inclined to agree yeah, with you. It's definitely the best we've seen. So perfect. I mean, everyone had chocolate starfish. Everyone liked rolling. And everyone, you know, but everyone also thought, oh, there's this kind of different, kind of quieter Limp Bizkit song. Yeah. And then they used that. And they're like, oh, we all knew the song because we already had the album because we yeah. already had Limp Bizkit. Really fucking brilliant. Um, I will say there's probably a lot of nostalgia play there, but I love this video package. It's face versus face. The story kind of writes itself. Austin needs to win. He's coming back after all this time. The Rock has to win as well because The Rock has to... You know, these guys both have to be number one because mm -hmm. it seems like things are changing. Just before the actual package, Heyman actually says, this is probably my favourite line of the night, he goes, this is the match that both men have to win and neither man can afford to lose. And like as a kid, that just made this into the biggest deal imaginable. How many WrestleMania main events could you say that about? Very few. That both men have to win and neither man can lose. John Cena and the Miz, mate. Yeah. yeah. Miz can and did and will lose. <laughs> <laughs> the only shonky thing about this whole build-up was the inclusion of Delbra for one week. Yeah. Uh, conspicuous by her absence here tonight is Debra. They built up this storyline, which is like... They admitted on on camera that Deborah was Austin's wife, and Vince is like, "You're gonna be the Rock's manager, the Rock's manager, King." But she's Steve Austin's wife. <laughs> it didn't work. No, Deborah was not charismatic enough. Austin didn't care about. It. Austin did not want it. Having Deborah put in the ankle lock and then Steve Austin going ape shit on everyone because of that just didn't work. Yeah. So the week before, they're like, "Fine, we're not gonna do it." And like Austin literally said in the video, video package. Deborah is a non-factor. <laughs> Obviously, this memo and this decision was made after the fact because it was still included in this video yeah. package for no reason. The face-to-face -face interview they did, it was on the SmackDown beforehand. Austin, Rock, Jim Ross sat down just face-to-face -face, talking about why they had to win. Love us. They don't trash talk each other at all. They didn't. They just, they just say, we respect the hell out of each other. I won that belt, though. And Rock's, I'm gonna keep this belt. And the Rock's like, I'm the best. And Steve Austin's like, but I'm the best. I need to beat you, Rock, more than you could ever imagine. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing I did like that is at the start of it, though, maybe the reasons why this was ended up being quite a cordial and respectful face-to-face -face confrontation is that the Rock says, like, you know, the Rock says, and the Rock, and Austin's cuts card goes, "Excuse me, are you sassing me?" <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare sass me, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sassing you. I'm not, I, we, we mentioned sassing, so you know, I had to get that out of, the, out of the way. Thinks announcement at the start of this one. The following contest, scheduled for one fall, is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And in this contest, there will be no 
patience. When did that? What was that at it? We've um, we we we've maybe quoted this one a hundred to two yeah. hundred, three hundred thousand times in our life. It's one of those things that we've probably taken it way out of proportion from all the impressions over the years, but it's still pretty fucking. The funny. following contest is scheduled for one fall, and there will be no disqualification. Uh, an iambic pentameter to his yeah. voice. <laughs> I, I do enjoy it quite a lot. No disqualification, but, but since when? So this match is now no holes barred. Austin remembered his vest this time. This is going to be good. The flashbulbs when Steve Austin goes to the four corners. Um, wow. Just, it's hard to remind yourself that this is real and not a movie. Like, yeah. As in, like, this is not us staging it. These are people, each one of these people are real taking a reaction. picture. This is a real amazing reaction. It's a real feeling that yeah. you're feeling, John. You know, <laughs> the flashbulbs, the atmosphere, the circumstance, and the pomp. They start this one off at a hundred and twenty-five miles a goddamn hour. And I love as well the story straight away that Austin is taking advantage of the no holds barred, the rockets. Straight away, Austin goes for the belt. Straight the away, five seconds. Wants to hit him. Win yeah. straight away in Texas. Crowd maybe a little bit more in favour of Steve Austin. Right, to be fair to Steve, because that is a like a thing that he said so many times. Every fucking week. Yeah. It is true but though. It's not even just a little bit. I think that the difference watching it this time, I think the difference really is night and day. I think the crowd is way more behind Austin. But I'm I think what is unfair or incorrect to say is that that proves that Steve is the bigger star of the just two. Texas. Yeah, it's, it's, there. Texas. Just it's Texas. Texas. That's all it is. Yeah, you know, it's that's that's all right. Where's the rock from? Um, he's from Miami, Florida. So if this is Miami, we're more, we'd probably get the same Precisely, reaction on the opposite yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfair to say that based on the fact that you're the hometown hero exactly, in the main yeah. event. These guys brawl outside with Stone Cold Steve Austin maintaining control. Both men attempt finishers early on and get them reversed, keeping the crowd right on the edge of their seat. And the calls from Jim Ross and Paul Heyman are incredible. Austin bells the rock. I buy this stipulation, you know, Steve Austin rough and tumble, really just trying to get anything he can here on The Rock. We do get, however, the most unspectacular table break oh in the Oh my god. Oh, sad. It's like looking at it going, fuck it, I didn't put in that, uh, that nut bolt, the main one for the Ikea furniture. It looks fine, yeah, but put a coffee mug on it. Ah, it just collapses. The camera just caught it as well. Just in the uh, corner. If it hadn't have caught it, it would have been absolutely grand. We wouldn't have seen that. But yeah. The Rock is just lying on the table, no one's near him, and it just buckles. Yeah. Just buckles completely under him, and it looks so shit. Austin beats the bejesus out of the rock so more. Blatant chokes, ignoring the ref's count because there is no disqualification. Very few people ever take advantage of that fact. The fact that there is no count in a no DQ match. The rock gets cut. The fans boo his comeback heavily. Yeah. Very heavily. He gets hit with an exposed turnbuckle. You see Austin being a straight up rule breaker here. The rock then gets the bell and he hits Austin who starts bleeding himself. Punch drunk Steve Austin. This is one of my favourite moments here where Austin is like, he's got up, he's dazed from being hit, he's covered in blood, The Rock just hits him with big right hands and Austin doesn't fall over, he just falls back and he bounces off the ropes, like a cartoon almost, yeah. but he's just 
bouncing and flailing. And at the end, he just kind of goes flying into the corner. He puts his arms out to grab something, and he just collapses. Stumbles over. Really sells the rock's punches really, really well. The stunner is reversed by the rock, who locks in this sharpshooter, or should I say the shit shooter? Mm. Uh, my God, shades of WrestleMania 13 here where Austin and The Rock are both bleeding. I would say because The Rock is bleeding also, and not just Austin, that this, I don't say it's more iconic, you know, more iconic, more memorable than the Bret Austin one, but fucking hell, it gets the blood pump in here. More emotion yeah. in this one, I'd say. Where you got Austin screaming, going, ah, and The Rock yeah. is just like trying to get any extra grip yeah. he can, also screaming, Blood. Everyone always brags on Rocky. We always do brag on Rocky for shit blood. Yeah. The fucking crimson mask. Yeah, when he's it. screaming and it rolls down his eyes into his, his teeth. teeth. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Incredible. Austin gets into the ropes and then... Now. Yeah. It's no DQ match. No DQ match. He Rock doesn't have to let go. The Rock lets go because I think The Rock realises that he can't win if he's in the ropes because Austin can't tap out in the ropes. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think his plan was that he was going to try and bring him across. Say, but then Austin got his own sharpshooter in instead. And then he, he, he just... And then when The Rock gets the ropes, he, Austin gives him the finger. But yeah. he should have just kept going. Yeah, he, I guess. He, he decides to just let go as well. It just seems really weird because the referees, they don't just let go. The referees go and say, oh, come on, you've got to let him go and I've got to let him go. So that 2K15, when your submission meter falls out, you just let go for no reason. You know, just go, oh, I think he was losing his grip. <laughs> Maybe that was it. In an amazing, nostalgic moment, in an attempt to kind of get across the point that he's using anything at his disposal, Steve Austin locks in the million-dollar dream on The Rock, yeah. which he learned from Ted DiBiase when he was the ringmaster. JR mocks the fuck out. Me too, man. <laughs> Me too. The Rock hits a stunner and he pins Austin and Jim Ross is like, not in Texas. That's the national finishing move of Texas. <laughs> a wild Vince McMahon appears as Austin kicks out of the stunner. We're all meant to wonder why he's here. Heyman says that he's got a billion dollar investment in the outcome of this match. His company's future will be altered depending on who wins this. People's elbow by The Rock, but Vince McMahon breaks up the pin count, which causes... Very meaty, deli counter-esque McMahon to try and run around in a circle outside the ring, and it's not pretty. It's amazing that, like, in hindsight, it's so obvious what's going down almost immediately. You should be able to tell straight away. But Paul Heyman and JR do this brilliant thing of just dancing around it enough that you don't really let it sink in what's happening until the very end of the match. I thought the thing was that... Vince was there to screw Rock. Yeah, he wasn't that's, there to That's help. exactly what yeah. they make you and feel. That's what they make you feel. They're very careful what they actually do at the start. Rock chases Vince and he comes into the ring and Austin hits the fucking rock bottom. And then we get another ref blump. Vince gives Steve Austin a bit of a hand now and things get very, very disturbing as he chairs The Rock while Austin is holding him for him. And Jim Ross is like, I thought The Rock would have ducked out of the way. It's like the first time anyone's been held in a full yeah, Nelson and actually works. been hit. Austin, you can see he's going crazy. The frustration hits a spine buster, goes for a pit, kicks out. God damn it! And he starts yeah. like slamming the mat and fucking really it's scary. And he, he drops the mask. He starts turning to Vince. And he's like he's looking at Vince now and kind of saying, "We have, we have to do this." Like it's like he didn't want people to know that he was yeah. with Vince. Almost it was only his last resort, so to speak. Rock bottom out of nowhere, but Rock goes straight after Vince and starts beating him up. Stunner into another fucking dimension. The cell on this. Wow. 
He stuns him and like Wario Land 2 when he turned into a spring and he would that's what happens. Yeah, like, he generally looks like he's about to do the thing you know that Neville does where he just does the flips all around the ring. Yeah. It just looks like <laughs> Rock's about to do that. He does the Apollo Crews jumps and flip in the air lands right at his feet and then flips over again. Fucking incredible. Kick out though and Austin is incensed slamming the mat. You've never seen Steve Austin like this. And then the horrible moment that comes next. Austin goes chair crazy. Fucking chair mad. Vince McMahon. He's dancing around. He gives Vince... Vince gives Steve Austin the chair. What Jim Ross calls that McMahon-endorsed steel chair. And somehow The Rock kicks out. And then we get what we saw at the end of No Way Out. That really scary, you know, hitting him with the heart. Stabbing him in the heart with the chair. Over and over. As Jim Ross is like... Oh, this is traumatic as a child. You see your hero becoming the villain, and Jim Ross is going, "Why, Steve? What the goddamn old man?" And everyone is shocked. The arena doesn't know what to make of it, and he doesn't pin him off a big stunner or a big cool move. It's just he hits him like twenty times with a chair. The last chair shot when Austin reels back, his eyes. Like remember we said last month with get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he scary. was he was in that zone and that last chair shot is what does it. Mr. McMahon brought the chair to the ring and now Austin's using it on the rock. There's no disqualification. Austin beat the living hell out of the rock without McMahon endorsed steel chair. Come out, Steve. God. What the hell is this? What the hell is this? century as soon as that hand hits the mat for a third time it's a new champion steve austin wins and sells his soul to the devil himself now according to steve austin's podcast he was perfectly okay with this this was a fine day at the office for him he loved doing it he had no regrets whatsoever <laughs> well, oh wait it was. No, it was what it was things are as they are what a shocker mm-hmm. what an absolute shocker as a kid i remember WrestleMania 17 I was in boarding school I was in like my first year we all snuck down it was all like fucking you know A level like older kids all like fucking 17 18 year old rugby players were all like down there watching getting all jazzed and psyched up when this happened I don't know if you've ever been in a room where a large amount of testosterone driven men have all just had their hero turn on them we went to bed sad yeah next day how was WrestleMania yeah (laughs) I, I I know so many people who stopped watching wrestling mm-hmm. because of what we've just watched. 
My cousin stopped watching wrestling. Most of my friends who watched wrestling with me at the time, all throughout primary school, they all stopped watching wrestling. The Adrian Kennedy phone show in Dublin, which is like a, where people call in with grievances, literally had, they had a writer from WWF on just kind of, what's it like to be a writer? And they're like, why'd you make Stone Cold a baddie? Why'd you do that? I thought you should have had Steve Austin drive out in a truck instead. But um, yeah, heartbreaking in hindsight it was shocking it didn't work in the long term but in terms of a shock at Wrestlemania and a shot that ends the Attitude Era and it ends the Attitude Era this was pretty spectacular like as, as bad as things got for Austin after this and the way things turned out I would never in a million years change anything about this the way that ends this exact moment it made me legitimately cry as a kid like I was so so upset about it because mm. I had always been in Austin's corner when it came down to these kind of matches and not only was it like sad that he turned heel but he did it in the most gruesome traumatizing really real way and you've Heyman there going well he's a rattlesnake that's what they do this is you were you know you cheer for this kind of well, behavior you never believe that like. and Austin the next night is like hey when did I ever say I wanted to be a hero or be yeah. your hero or be your kid's hero I never said that and I'm like oh the only thing that could have been more heartbreaking is if McFoley did this yeah but yeah. this was my hero as a child fucking becoming the villain and it was horrible horrible and- JR's reaction, him just over and over again saying, Why, Steve? Why'd you do it? They, they share hands a, with Satan himself. They share a beer over the rock and they pour a bit of beer on him. And yeah, you might as well just urinate on the rock. Gosh. <laughs> the, the best call, actually, is just after the, the pin, JR is so angry he starts speaking in tongues and he just goes, God don't matter. I'll shut up a bitch. <laughs> Billy, your thoughts on the swerve? Right, so before we started this podcast, I knew that Austin turned heel. How could you not? Like, yeah. If you can't be a wrestling fan and not know that. Uh, however, what I didn't know was how it happened. I knew he aligned himself with McMahon. That's the be all and yeah. end all. I didn't know what happened. Um, the ending didn't sit right with me. It really didn't feel like Austin was turning heel. It felt like Vince was turning face. Because <laughs> yeah. well, really, the crowd, the crowd like, were cheering, though. That was, right, that was yeah. That's the thing. It, re- it really didn't feel like uh, Austin was heel at all. It was Vince was face. Austin was like, oh, you, you've, you've helped me. Let's, let's have a beer together. It's the, only, the only reason I would have said, oh, yeah, that was a heel turn was because of what JR and... And uh, Paul was saying, I think a I really, I really couldn't see that as a, as a heel turn. I think the difficulty is, is that Austin's heel, the stuff that he did as a heel was just the stuff he did as a face, kind of turned up the aggression, the the, the, the mm-hmm. violence, the, uh, the 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 don't trust me, the the kind of short temper. It was just targeted at faces now as opposed yeah. to heels. So he didn't really change that much. The fans would not boo the man. I think it's more about the fact that he was doing it to the Rock who had like you know been refusing to give up and in the like I know that in Texas you know they weren't really too keen on the rock but in the entire build up to this and everything the rock was still just equally as much of a mega face as Steve Austin mm. so to see this kind of like really brutal gross ending done to someone like this perfect like the rock that's what gives it the extra venom I think yeah definitely but WWF would not be the same and when I say the attitude era ends after this 
It's not. Uh, it's not kind of a oh, kinda. It did. Yeah. Ratings went down. Pay per view buys went down. Something that really, really hit them hard was the fact that they had really poor house show attendance after this. The gates at house shows went way down because people, people were so obsessed by Steve Austin and what happened. And also as well, folks, after this, The Rock is gone to make movies. So you've taken away one of your two biggest faces and the other one you've turned into a heel. And sadly. Kind of their own fault, really. There's no one on the card below to really... You go back to Undertaker and Kane, okay? Yeah. But the Hardy Boys, Jericho, Benoit, these are guys who maybe haven't built up enough to, to rally behind to an extent that you can live on with a Steve Austin heel. And the ratings never recovered, and the money never recovered. The success never got back to where it was. And we will obviously have more of a retrospective thing, maybe down the line or whatnot, but I don't think any of us here can really argue the fact that this was the symbolic and actual end yeah. of the Attitude Era. When you're looking in the ring and you're seeing WCW no longer is a thing. You see Vince McMahon and Steve Austin shaking hands. The Rock is leaving. It's a different company. Yeah. It's a different show now. And you, can, you can't go back. And they tried to go back. But you can't go back after you've pulled that trigger and I don't think Steve Austin was ever as popular ever again. No. no. Which is a sad sad fact. I don't think wrestling was ever as popular ever again. No, definitely not. You know? Uh, are the fans that were lost, are they like, were they true hardcore fans who were turned off wrestling forever and just never got back into it? Could have been. Were they casual fans who were just watching it because they liked the antics of Steve Austin and did not want to see this man as a bad guy or see him get beat up? Who knows? All we know is that those mystery couple of million that live in America that were watching wrestling during the, the Monday Night Wars never came back. They grew up, they moved on, and then the rest of us made podcasts about it. <laughs> and that is WrestleMania 17, the granddaddy of them all, a celebration of life indeed. <laughs> Match of the night, MVP Adam. Uh, this is pretty easy. Um, as much as like every single match could almost be considered a match of the yeah. night, I'm going to have to go with that main event. And my MVP is unsurprisingly going to be Steve Austin as well, simply because, and this is purely nostalgia speaking, I'm not being objective about this in the slightest, but it was the most visceral, massive emotional reaction I've ever had to anything in wrestling was this match. Yeah. And it just literally changed how I viewed wrestling and just changed everything. I knew it always well with the fucking courage of Steve Austin. You know, it is courage when you look at someone that's, like him. That's why he's my MVP. Like, yeah. He had a lot. It was a big gamble. Massive, and massive It didn't gamble. pay off. But he still did it regardless. Like, I mean, he could have sat there and made money off Austin 316 shirts and done the same old ding dong. Be a John Cena and do it forever. And he didn't. He yeah. wanted to do it different. And More power it produced, him. like, in my opinion, the greatest moment in wrestling history. So, fair play to him. Final question though, WrestleMania 17, greatest pay-per-view of all time, do you agree with that sentiment? Yes, still, wow. always have, still do. Billy, match of the night, MVP. Uh, like Adam said, like it's so difficult. Not a bad um, match on this card. Not no. a bad match, um, not a single one. You could go to a, a great handful of everyone who wrestled tonight and say they are my, my MVP and you could look at all the matches and say that is a, a match of the night contender. But I'm gonna go for your, purely for the match that entertained me the most tonight, and I loved every second of it, and that would be the street fight. Ah yeah. yes, very and good. Pure soap opera, melodrama, everything. Mm -hmm. I, I was entertained from start to finish. It was stupid, it was cheesy, and it was fucking amazing. Awesome. Uh, MVP, Shane McMahon. Yeah. Um, 
absolutely on fire. What a face. Yeah, and then he carried that match as well. Totally. Yeah, he, he had to carry that. He had, he had to carry his dad around and just fucking do that. Great stunts. Great, great spots. stunts. And yeah, shame. Because um, we all know how capable the Rock is, and we all know how capable Austin is, and how capable Ben are. And yeah, yeah. But Shane's never Sh- been formally trained. Shane's never been formally trained, yeah. and every time we see a Shane match, we're always left absolutely gobsmacked by yeah. at least one spot, and this had a, this had a load. Yeah. So Shane is my MVP of WrestleMania 17. And Billy, important question then: WrestleMania 17, greatest pay per view of all time? No. Ooh. What do you say is that? Keep in mind now, maybe Billy's not seen all. I haven't. That, I've, my, my obviously my experience is very. Mm. Uh, I'm. I'm sure. I, I, this is definitely up there, of course. Oh, like, yeah. I've not got like. And here's ten pay per views I think are better than yeah. this. But I, 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 I do think there have been pay-per-views in the Attitude Era I think I have enjoyed more. Okay. It's usually Royal been... Rumble 2000. Yeah, that's great. Right. Um, no Way Out 2000. Yeah. I think could maybe be better than this. Yeah, those are two very strong um, shows. Not to say this isn't great, because it's absolutely amazing. It's the best WrestleMania yeah. I've seen. Yeah. I don't know if it's the best pay-per-view I've seen. Okay, very interesting. Um, I got to echo previous sentiments for Match of the Night, and I have to say, it's, even though for the longest time, and I still probably do say that, oh, Austin Rock WrestleMania 17 is my favourite match, um, but just when I was writing, doing notes, and watching it with the intent of discussing it on a podcast, I realised I have watched Shane and Vince probably 10, 15 times. I, I said it when we were talking about it, I'll say it again. Goosebumps every single time. It just gets some emotion or something in my head that it makes it lo- I love it everything I love about wrestling tied up in a neat little package drama spectacle physicality goofiness weirdness and a sense of like you know everything's right in the world Resolution. love it that's what Wrestlemania is for and I would also say for MVP most definitely Stone Cold Steve Austin for one for the performance okay for actually coming back from an injury on this long road and really finally having that real standout match that was just two guys in the ring with very little gimmicks I thought that match was incredible and the risk as well you know to rest of one's laurels and just to keep doing things the same Steve could have done that easily he was pop culture when you think about people like John Cena who were so unwilling to move on from their character and their popularity and their widespread appeal is a fraction of what Steve Austin's was. And then you've got Steve Austin going, you know what, I'm going to take a risk. And by his own admission, he didn't think it was a good idea at the time. He just knew that he felt he should be heel. And that is like an old school wrestler's mentality. And I'll be honest, I think Austin is the greatest star of the Attitude Era. And it's that kind of mentality, that willingness to take a risk... You know, that's what made him stone cold in the first place. You can't blame him for trying, but you certainly can't blame him for going on about it. Next time the Attitude Podcast, we discuss Steve Austin taking his ball and going home. <laughs> You've not heard that story before. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for the Attitude Era Podcast. Yeah, we're all done. We're all done. We're all finished. Yeah. Stick a fork in it, lads. That is the Attitude Era. 36 pay-per-views. Highs, lows, creamy middles, a lot of thinking needs to be done, and definitely a retrospective is in order. We have done the job, we have done the work we have set out to do, and we have finished 
the 36 pay-per-views that comprise what is known as the greatest period in wrestling in history. Do you think it was the greatest period in history? What are your thoughts? Let us know. You can keep in touch with us by going to Twitter, at AE Podcast. Let us know your thoughts. We finished the Attitude Era. We want your thoughts, your feedback. What's it been like for you? Has there been ups? Has there been downs? Have you changed your opinions on any wrestlers as a result? And also as well, facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast, where you can send us mail, take goofs and gas, funny pictures, take part in some discussions about episodes past. And as well, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio, do leave a rating or review. Help send us up the old iTunes charts. Head on over to youtube.com forward slash AE podcast and you can find some of the best hits from the podcast put to video for the first time. You can go really old school right back to the early days of the podcast and see things such as DX flying around, Triple H in his Capita! Also, go and check out our Vine account at AE podcast. Stuff and things, come on, grab your friends. Going to. <laughs> I need to start again. I didn't write one, I completely fucking did. Okay. Um, Leave all of this out for the next 15 minutes where Billy spends time deciding. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to. And if you're in the business for looking for stuff and things, head on over to botchamania.com. Last one, did it serious. This you can is have that a free man. I can have that one for free. <laughs> this, my friends, is a shoot. And of course, if you want to support the Attitude podcast, there's two ways which you can do that. First and foremost, if you're a hardcore member of the Glad Gate community, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com and grab yourself a t shirt. A big up to the people who've been wearing them at events and getting caught on camera. You people are gods amongst men and women. And of course, if you want to support us, the best way to do it is selfie.com forward slash AE podcast or audio commentary for wrestling movies and events are available to download now. Listen to us talk over and ruin movies such as Beyond the Mass, Wrestling with Shadows, and the world's greatest movie, Scooby-Doo and the WrestleMania Mystery. They're all available to download for £3 or $5 on selfie.com forward slash AE podcast. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, Attitude Era podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. We've done it. Yeah, we're finished. That's it. I can't believe it. I've got to get a job now. (laughs) (laughs) I told my wife and kids I was going for coffee. That was three years ago. (laughs) It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And a very, very, very big and heartfelt thanks to every single person who's ever listened to this show, supported us in any way, spread the show around, or just been on board and helped us out doing this podcast has restored my faith in wrestling fans and has made me become kicking and screaming an active member of a wrestling community I didn't think I wanted to be a part of so I just want to say thank you for everyone who has just made this such a pleasurable experience and it always has been a pleasurable experience Um, we set out to do this podcast because we wanted to have some fun and I can say looking back now hundreds of hours of content that we have had an awful lot of fun but don't you cry, because we'll meet again someday. It's a goodbye. Don't know where. Don't know when. <laughs> we'll meet again. <laughs> One sunny day. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. Me, Billy. And we'll see you some other time on an Attitude Era podcast. It's a daily dividend. Be like a sand star a trend. Be friends to the end. Come on, one more time. God Gifting life's a friend Take it, pants Pays a daily dividend <laughs>
sense, start a trend, be friends to the end. Hey, come on, guys, you two try it You can do it, be friends. All right, I'll give it a shot. Here we go. We two, we're friends to the end. Ain't we, my friend? We kind of blend together, coffee and cream. Boy, what a team. You'll never find two other guys compatible. Steak and fries were two of a kind Much of a mind We find our way together Thinking as one Searching for sunny skies True, the sun may turn to rain We don't mind a drop of rain But you won't hear us complain Doesn't help to stop the rain What's the gain if we complain? Causes lots of stress and strain We keep smiling in the pit of Here's what we recommend The greatest gift in life's a friend He's a daily dividend Be like us and start a trend Be friends to the end Again, again, take it all The greatest gift in life's a friend Thank you.